MRN's Classic Races are brought to you by Hercules Tires. Back at Texas World Speedway, the field climbs the banking up in three and four. The groove there this afternoon, and particularly in that end of the racetrack here, will be a little bit high. As we said, the pavement has broken up a little bit down in the very, almost down on the safety apron of the track, so to speak. So the groove, for the most part, will start out up in the middle lane and work its way toward the outside wall as the day progressive. Just looking down through the grandstand here at Texas World Speedway, Mike Joy, it looks to be one of the largest crowds we have seen since we've been coming here in the last three years to witness a NASCAR race at this track. I'm sure the news yesterday that their home state driver, Terry Labonte, was sitting on the pole has helped to pump up this crowd. The infield is sparsely populated, but that is due more to the heavy torrential rains that we've had in the past couple of days than anything else. There's a fair crowd in the grandstand today, and they will probably post a record crowd for this race this afternoon. It is incredibly hot and unbelievably humid, but we're set for 400 miles fast and furious as the field heads down in front of Eli Gold at turn one. Everybody rumbles by now as the pace car puts some distance between itself and the rest of the field. Again, your front row, Terry Labonte and Bobby Allison. Terry has been receiving the accolades of the crowd here at the Texas World Speedway. Everyone else, the car's weaving back and forth now to get the tire temperature to the to the desired level. Uh, now as they come sweeping off turn number two, off the 22-degree banking, the pace car heads the field as they begin to bunch near the point down the backstretch. Well, a take one was put on them when they came by the start-finish line by Harold Kinder, so they should put them under green this time around. They're beginning to string out a little bit down the back chute right now. You'll see them tighten up as they head up into turn number three and get ready to cut them loose for 400 miles of some of the best competition that the fans here in Texas have seen in a long, long time as NASCAR visits the Speedway only once a year. Field now moving over into turn number three. Shortly, they'll be in the vicinity of Woody Carson. As they move around, it's Terry Labonte. And Terry Labonte not only brings Corpus Christi fans here, but also those of Houston. As prior to moving into NASCAR, he was a Meyer Speedway champion here in Houston, driving to and from Corpus Christi. Now he and Bobby Allison and the pace car coming out, beginning to put more distance between himself and the field, swooping down to come through now in turn number four. The field is tightening up. Beautiful Gaelic colors as they come down. The pace car sweeps down pit row, and now we begin to gather as they're tight, Looking beautifully for a start. Pace car is on pit road. 34 cars bunch very tightly. Come down to the start-finish line, and Harold Kinder puts them under green. And the Budweiser 400 is underway at College Station, Texas. Field thunders off into turn number one. Terry Labonte quickly through the gearbox goes first. Bobby Allison moving second. Side by side for third. Earnhardt to the inside of Benny Parsons. That's the battle we watch now for third. Earnhardt now closing in on Bobby Allison. Benny works to the high side. Richard Petty up to fourth. Morgan Shepard is going fifth now. Harry Gattis sixth. The field cleanly through turns one and two down the back straightaway. A bit for the lead. And Bobby Allison pulls to the inside of Terry Labonte. Bobby Allison has moved into the lead. Moving up now into third position is Dale Earnhardt. Dale Earnhardt is beside Labonte. Dale Earnhardt has a way to go. They're going to come out of turn number four, almost side by side with Allison holding a narrow lead. Labonte and Earnhardt. Allison will lead them back to the line and lead the first lap of the Budweiser 400, but the fans are watching that battle for second spot. Earnhardt is stuck to the door of Labonte in turn one. Labonte goes to the high side. Earnhardt had the door open. He goes downstairs. Now Labonte trying to cut down in front of Benny Parsons does to hang on to third spot. Going fourth is going to be Benny Parsons. Richard Petty is fifth. Harry Gant sixth. Seventh now going to be Darrell Waltrip as the field punches towards the point to turn three. 
And now as they come into turn number three, Dale Earnhardt is beginning to make a bid on Bobby Allison. He pulled down as if to try to make a pass, ducked back in as they turn through turn three, into turn four, and Labonte has moved up on a three-car draft. Make that a four-five-car draft as they come down. Eight cars ride the lead draft at the line. Earnhardt goes after a piece of the lead. He's got it. Dale Earnhardt leads the Budweiser 400. They're back in one. Labonte takes the free ride to the inside. Tucks in front of Allison and now goes third. Fourth is Buddy Parsons. Richard Petty is fifth. Waltrip going sixth. Harry Gant seventh. Joe Whatman moving up for eighth. Your leader now, Earnhardt, showing more distance than any leader has had this afternoon. Maybe three car lengths over Bobby Allison, who holds on to second place to turn three. As they move down in turn three, Earnhardt begins to pull out in front, but Labonte says, no, you don't. He's pulling up now through turn number three, trying to close the gap on Earnhardt. And Bobby Allison is drifting back away as Labonte is making a way now in on Earnhardt. Dale Earnhardt, the leader. Terry Labonte holds second. Allison is third. Benny Parsons is fourth. Fifth is Richard Petty. Sixth is Darrell Waltrip. Eli Gold to take us further back in the order. Harry Gant is going seventh. Joe Ruckman is running eighth now. Morgan Shepard ninth. Lake Speed up the tenth spot. Ricky Rudd going eleventh. Jody Ridley twelfth. Thirteenth is Richard Childress. Your field holding that position now as they swing off turn number two. A flat back straightaway. Single file Earnhardt holding at Bay Labonte. From Labonte. Texas now Speedway, this is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. This NASCAR season, Toyota Racing isn't looking for just anyone to join the team. No, we're looking for bankers, the ones who are open on Sundays. So if you live for the gravity-defying 31-degree banks like this one on turn four in Daytona, then we want you. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. From outdoor care to home and auto repair, do it with Craftsman. Find the tools, equipment, and storage you need at your local Lowe's, Ace Hardware, or Craftsman.com. Back at Texas World Speedway, it is a hot one up front as they head back for turn one. Side by side for the lead, Bobby Allison to the inside of Dale Earnhardt. Earnhardt went higher into turn one, Allison stayed downstairs, he has the lead. Off turn number two now with Earnhardt feeling the heat from Labonte. Terry to the inside of Earnhardt for second place, Bobby Allison there now feeling Labonte into turn three. Lavani is not holding up. He is coming on. He is challenging Allison for the lead. It's side by side with Lavani and Allison with Earnhardt and Benny Parsons tucked in behind. Now Lavani has the lead as he comes sweeping through turn number four. Terry Lavani made a good move underneath Bobby Allison right in the middle of three and four. He has the lead. Allison drafts him to the line. Two car lakes back. Bobby Allison rides in second. Still up in third spot is Earnhardt. Fourth is Parsons. Richard Petty is fifth. They're back in one. And with Waltrip watching in sixth. Bobby Allison pulled to the inside. Nothing there. Though it's single file this time among your six lead automobiles through turns one and two. Off the banking now as those six cars pull away. Your leader, Lapati. Allison going second. Earnhardt third. Benny Parsons fourth. Richard Petty fifth. Waltrip sixth. And they continue to move down through there. But right now it is by Allison making a move on Labonte. They come up on slow traffic. Labonte hanging on to the lead as Allison tucks back in as they come through turn number four. 
Terry Labonte showing an awful lot of muscle in the early going of the Budweiser 400, and you can attribute that to the handling of Jake Elder's expertise in getting that car to work in the corners. Labonte said the driver that won here today would be the car that worked in the turns. He's doing it right now. They're back in turn one. Your leaders move to the high side of Rick Baldwin as Earnhardt and Allison battle for second. Allison to the low side, has the muscle, sweeps underneath Earnhardt, hangs on to second spot behind Labonte. The field moving by some slower traffic. That's Ronnie Thomas limping down the back stretch to turn three. They'll mix it up for the lead. They mix it up, and Allison drops on the inside of Labonte, and Earnhardt comes along with him. Allison now has the lead going through turn number three. As they sweep into turn number four, the muscle of Labonte pulls him back into second place in front of Earnhardt. Not much passing going on up in turn three and four as they bounce and bump off that corner and come back to the start-finish line. It will be Bobby Allison with Terry Labonte some two feet behind him. Earnhardt is third, but Waltrip wants the spot. Darrell moves to the inside, but Earnhardt goes higher on the racetrack. He has the ability to sweep off the banking, cuts down in front of Waltrip to hang on to third. Cars not going as high in the banking as they were in practice yesterday. Here's Waltrip. He wants third. Off turn two to the inside of Earnhardt. Steps on the button. It's a drag race towards turn three for third place. With Allison out in front and Labonte in second, that tremendous battle for third place as Waltrip now pulls on the inside, keeps moving through turn number three, has that third position. Now he takes aim on Labonte, and it's Allison out in front with Labonte and Waltrip charging. Six cars ride nose to tail in the lead draft as they come back down to the line here at Texas World Speedway. Here's Terry Labonte again. He drafts underneath Bobby Allison, tries to take the lead away, and Waltrip drafts him. They may both get around in turn one. That's the flying wedge with Waltrip tangled on behind Labonte, but now it's going to be Bobby Allison from the high side of the racetrack. As he now battles for the lead, Waltrip backed off the pace just a moment. Now, off turn two, Labonte sticks a nose in front. Allison right there in second. Waltrip watching in third. They roll the dice again. A three-way battle to turn three for the lead. Side by side, three ways to go. Waltrip on the inside, Waltrip moved by Labonte, Labonte now drafting in third position, but right now it's side by side, Waltrip and Allison as they come through three, come on through two, and now the, it is The most Waltrip competitive automobile racing in the world here at Texas World Speedway as they come down to the line, Waltrip plays the leader this time, scoots out in front of Terry Labonte. Labonte rode the draft, hung on to the second spot. They're back in front of Eli Gold. Well, as they stabilize momentarily, Bobby Allison has second. Here's a bid for third. Earnhardt looks to the inside of Labonte, does not want to run awfully low on the racetrack, so he tucks in. Single file off turn two. Your leader is Waltrip. Allison going second. Labonte is third. Then comes Earnhardt, Benny Parsons, and Richard Petty. Three cars already out of the Budweiser 400. First car to exit, Baxter Price driving the backup Jimmy Means car. Next, retire after only three laps, Kirk Shelmerdine driving the McDonald's Pontiac. That is the second Richard Childress machine. And D.K. Ulrich has just taken car number 98, the Uno Buick, back to the garage area. Barney? As they come down to the line, Walker staves off another charge by Bobby Allison in the Hardy's Buick and hangs on to the lead. Still six cars riding in the lead draft, and Eli, they're having to work slower traffic already. They work around to the high side of Rick Wilson, and now dead ahead, they'll find Dick May in the 75 automobile. They'll work underneath him, coming off turn number two. Your leader at this point, Darrell Waltrip. Waltrip takes the pack to the outside of Dick May as they pass him midway down the back straightaway. Allison closing towards the lead. Allison closing in. Allison is looking for an inside bid, but Waltrip drops down in the midway of turn number three as they sweep through turn number four. Now Earnhardt tries to make a move on Labonte, but it's Waltrip coming out of four. Front four break the draft on the fifth and sixth place cars now as they come back to the line. Waltrip in front. 
Bobby Allison rides second. Third is Labonte. Fourth right now is Earnhardt. Then it's about a second back to Benny Parsons and Richard Petty. Waltrip made his move to get the lead a moment ago over in turn number three. He told me yesterday three and four are the critical corners here at Texas World Speedway. You can't run down low in three and four. You got to run right up high. You get down in the bottom area, it's just like running through a plowed cornfield. I swear. So Waltrip, who took a calculated gamble, if they had squeezed him down to the bottom of the racetrack a moment ago, he could have been in trouble. But right now, he's in command of the Budweiser 400 here in College Station, Texas. He's running up on some lapped automobiles, heading up to turn number four. Bobby Allison backs off, gives him a little maneuvering room. Allison hanging on to the second spot. And the front four still riding nose to tail about a car length apart. Through the line, he gets around. Buddy Arrington's car and James Hilton working back to Eli Gold in the south end of the track. Straight ahead of them now is Jimmy Means, who goes low as Waltrip takes the leaders through the middle point of turns one and two. They're running the middle groove. Again, we said earlier, we expect them to run a good bit higher in that turn as they had been in practice yesterday. They've come down just a bit. Off turn two now, Waltrip with some breathing room after Allison goes second, Labonte going third, Earnhardt fourth. And as they move now, Waltrip begins to pull away from Allison, but Labonte ties into Allison, and they begin to draft to close up on Waltrip as they move through turn number three and four, still in slow traffic. Waltrip commanding an edge now, and Labonte looking for a way around Allison. Six cars still riding that lead draft as they come back across the start finish line, and Waltrip begins to move a little way. He's had a hot and cold season this year. He's won four races, but the other times they've had a lot of trouble being consistent and finishing in the top. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical, underage sale prohibited. Introducing Zone Nicotine Pouches, the perfect balance of unparalleled comfort, longer-lasting flavor, and nicotine that satisfies. Whether you're zoning in during the race or zoning out after a tough day at work, Zone gets you there faster and keeps you there longer. Available in seven flavors and in six and nine milligram strengths. Find Zone at zonepouches.com and retailers near you. Own your Zone with Zone Nicotine Pouches. This season, Toyota Racing is looking for jugglers. Uh-huh. Not the ones who toss balls or rings. Fans that can juggle the rigors of a 10-month-long season across many different racing circuits. Well, what if I added knives? What if you added GR Cup, Formula Drift, and off-road racing? If you can juggle it all, then we want you. Be part of the action at toyota.com racing. Toyota, let's go places. Formula Drift is a registered trademark of Formula Drift's holdings, LLC. Five or six. Citywide to countryside, whatever you drive, wherever you go, Hercules has the value, selection, and industry-leading warranty to get you there no matter where the road takes you. Go to HerculesTires.com. There you can find the nearest authorized Hercules retail location to you. Plus, you can use the tire tracker to find out which Hercules tire fits your vehicle the best. That's HerculesTires.com. Hercules Tires, ride on our strength. Back at Texas World Speedway, Darrell Waltrip continues to lead the Budweiser 400. Bobby Allison drafting along in second spot is about seven or eight car lengths back. Then it's Terry Labonte riding third. Earnhardt still hanging on to fourth position. Benny Parsons rides fifth. Six is Richard Petty. Joe Ruttman has moved up to seventh spot. Then coming on strong back in eighth position is Harry Gant. And ninth is Ricky Rudd. Another car that's beginning to really ramble and to make up a little time on the leaders is Jody Ridley, Mike Joy. He didn't have the qualifying run he had hoped to here. They had a little problem with the car, but they've dialed it in, and they felt like yesterday afternoon they could run in the top five. Ridley, for some reason, did not get a strong start, Barney. He dropped back about eight positions on the opening break from the green flag, but he has moved up steadily ever since. 
Mike Joy, I have D.K. Ulrich here who pulled the car number 98 into the garage area moments ago. D.K., did something go wrong? Yes, certainly did. Uh, we came all the way here to Texas and blew a clutch on the fourth lap. That's been pretty disappointing not to run longer than that. Well, it really is, but uh, I'm kind of glad it happened here because that was our second car here. And, you know, we're going to be running out of Riverside next week, and a clutch is real important out there. Well, of course, you have the other car, number 99, with Tim Richmond out there carrying the colors yet. I still have that one in a race, and I got that number 40 out there, too. We're, uh, they're still moving, both those. Hey, that's D.K. Ulrich out of it here now. That's uh, D.K. Hertz, or is it D.K. Avis? Uh, more properly, as he's fielded cars for a number of different competitors this season on the Winston Cup circuit. Pit stops, as Ned pointed out, will go somewhere between around 94 miles to 100 miles. And Ned, that first pit stop will be extremely critical for a lot of reasons. One thing, the crews will be checking tire wear. And, of course, if they need to make a chassis change or an adjustment of the suspension, they'll find out what the car is doing that first 90 miles or so. Yes, they will, Barney. And I got a feeling that we're going to see some chassis adjustments being made here, especially if that first pit stop could come during the caution, because we're beginning to see them spread out a little bit here, and that's unusual because they do a lot of drafting here. And the reason that they're spreading out is the fact that they set their cars up here yesterday afternoon after a day's practice runs and the 100 mile international sedan race yesterday afternoon. And then it rained last night and washed all of that rubber off, which causes a different setting to be on the car. So that's what we're seeing out there now as some of the cars are dropping back. Darrell Waltrip has his dialed in just right. I doubt if we'll see him making any kind of an adjustment. Waltrip right now hangs on to the lead in the Budweiser 400. We're 20 laps into the 200 that will make up the event here this afternoon. Bobby Allison hanging on to second spot. All four of those front runners a moment ago were looking extremely strong. The first 10 laps, Labonte looked awfully strong. Dropping down low on the apron up in turn number four and heading on to pit road will be Richard Petty. And Ned, this would have to be an unscheduled stop. Absolutely an unscheduled stop. He's still uh, a good... 40 laps or 45 laps away from when he would come in. Well, not rated that mean, but Petty is coming in. They're going to the right side, Barney. He must have had a tire going down. So Richard Petty having to make an unscheduled pit stop here. Now the crew is scrambling all over the place, trying to get him back out without losing a lap. But that's hard to do as fast as they're running out here right now. Petty, who has had nothing but bad luck for the last five or six races, he had the car totally demolished up at Martinsville, Virginia, had troubles out at Talladega, Alabama, had problems up at Dover, Delaware. In fact, I think he's only finished one out of the last five races. He's having more and problems. And here's Darrell Walter coming down pit road, another unscheduled pit stop for the leader. Petty is back out. He's trying to beat Bobby Allison, who has taken over the lead. But Waltrip now coming in, and they're going under the hood of the Mountain Dew Buick. Tim Brewer and the rest of the crew going under there. The car apparently has an overheating problem. We'll get on top of that and be right back to you. And in turn one and two, we should mention Bobby Allison did just manage to work his way by Richard Petty. As they push Morgan Shepard's car through the pit wall, he may be out for the afternoon. And Mike Joy, all of a sudden, everybody's beginning to have problems in the early laps here. Just 22 into the 200 that make up the Budweiser 400, and three of the top cars have already encountered problems. Well, it's like D.K. Ulrich said, if you're going to fall out of this one, you hope it's in the first 20 laps instead of the last 20 laps, because that makes for a long afternoon. It is incredibly hot here as Tim Brewer drops the hood on the Mountain Dew Buick, Darrell Waltrip pulls away, and Richard Petty is on pit road. They're changing left side tires this time around. On car number 43, the car going up in the air as Ned Jarrett is making his way to the Junior Johnson Mountain Dew Pits. Let's go down to Ned. Well, we're beside a Tim Brewer. Tim, what went wrong? Well, right now we're shoving water out the exhaust pipe. I guess it busted the cylinder. Looked like the car was just working beautifully for us. Couldn't ask it to be no better. Well, that's Tim Brewer with a very disgusting sound in his voice, and justly so, but it looks like that they might 
be at the end of their day here very shortly. If it did indeed crack ahead on the car, it won't run too long. What a tough break for Darrell Waltrip. As we said when he first came on the air, that team has been hot and cold this year. He's the winningest driver in one sense. He has four victories, the only driver to do that. Bobby Allison has three, but aside from that, he has not had good finishes at all in the remainder of the races. Field across the line, Harry Gant still trying to overhaul the leaders here this afternoon at Texas World Speedway with 24 laps complete. Bobby Allison is back in command. Good battle back at the 10th position, Barney. Two fellows that, well, Jody Ridley won up at Dover three weeks ago. He and Lake Speed having quite a tussle as they came off the fourth quarter. They almost got together. Ridley has now assumed command of that position just ahead of Speed as those two drivers battle out of turn number two. And down the back straightaway, the leaders come storming off of turn number four. And Bobby Allison continues to hold forth here in the Budweiser 400. Terry Labonte is running about one second behind Allison. It's about a second and a half back to Benny Parsons in third. Dale Earnhardt running in the fourth position and about a straightaway behind the leader comes the fifth place car. That will now be Joe Rutman with Waltrip having pitted. In sixth would now be Harry Gant. Ricky Rudd is in the seventh position. Richard Childress is eighth. Dave Marcus is ninth in the battle for that tenth spot. Jody Ridley still hanging on over Lake Speed. Mike Joy, Morgan Shepard, we mentioned that he had wrecked his car yesterday. He's out of the race now. Morgan, what happened? Undoubtedly, yesterday when we hit the wall, it must have broke a mount on top of the radiator because the uh, radiator sucked back into the fan and busted the radiator. Long way from home to have to go out that early. Yeah. Well, here's the leader of the champion spark plug rookie standings going into this race. He'll still maintain his lead, but disappointed he's out of it. Well, it means that either Lowell Cowell or Tim Richmond will be the rookie of the race today and receive $500 for champion spark plugs, plus a boost in the champion rookie of the year point standings as Tommy Gale brings the Elmo Langley Sonny or rather Elmo Langley Sonny King Ford onto pit road wobbling a bit he's caught a flat tire in that machine car number 64 we'll take a break from Texas World Speedway this is MRN the Motor Racing Network Back at Texas World Speedway, Bobby Allison beginning to pull away a little bit right now. He's opened up about a second and a half separation over Terry Labonte as he works his way into turns one and two. He works well, Bobby Allison is, and as he actually here, he's been able to work to the high side or underneath some race traffic in turns number one and two. And this is a racetrack that over the years, this one in Pocono, are the only two tracks of which Bobby Allison has not won as far as the super speedways are concerned. So he's thinking about it. He'd like to have a checkered flag here in Texas, but it's awfully early. Well, with the success the Allison team and the Hardy team have had lately, I don't think he can do anything wrong. Somebody in the garage, I think it was Benny Parsons, told me yesterday the way the Rainier Racing team had been going and the consistent finishes they've had. And, all, of course, it's not luck. A lot of it is luck, but a lot of it is preparation, too. That is one of the best teams in racing. And somebody said in the garage area yesterday, I think it was Benny Parsons, that the way they've been running lately, they could take a D7 bulldozer and finish in the top five. And the way Allison's driving here this afternoon, that could well happen. They're working their way out of turn number two, Allison in front, and Labonte closes up a little bit. Terry beginning to reel him in as they head down the back chute. He's chopped it down to about two car lengths as they move to Woody Carson. They did, and they're moving in very closely. Terry Labonte has his eyes set on Allison as they go through turn number three. They're in turn number four now, and Labonte sets up. Labonte sets up in a crucial position. He's moving in very close. He may not pass until turn number one. Coming down to the start-finish line, Bobby Allison in the lead in the Budweiser 400. Labonte still riding in the second spot. And, Ned, I think you can already see the adjustment that Jake Elder has made on that car and the big factor he has been on it here all week. No question about it, Barney. 
uh, that fellow just has some special knack, or he says that he doesn't have secrets, but you wonder about it. And I asked Harry this morning, I said, hey, were you able to, to really tell a big difference in the car? He said he did not do any one thing in particular. He said it was just a lot of little things that made a difference. And I think that he gave added confidence to Terry and all of his crew and everything else to have Jake working on. You know, he's leading the Bush pole standings now. Jake is because he's the only one that has won three. He has uh, worked on three different cars that have won poles so far this year, and none of the drivers have won more than two. While I have the mic, let me update on Darrell Walter. When they came in, we mentioned that they put water in. He was having an overheating problem, and they thought they had a cracked head. And they put some of the block sealer in there and forced it on into the engine with the pressure of the hose. So he's still out there running. They're hoping that uh, that, that might work. And we saw Jeff Hammond, one of the crew members, who was married a week ago yesterday uh, to going up and down pit road, borrowing more of that block sealer. And Richard Petty, we checked on him. He did indeed have a left rear tire equalized. And that means that the inner tire moved, which threw it considerably out of balance. There is a tremendous battle going on for seventh spot. A minute ago, Ricky Rudd, Jody Ridley, and Richard Childress came by the start-finish line, three abreast. There are five cars racing for seventh position. Rudd currently has the spot. Childress is eight. Ninth is Ridley. Tenth is Lake Speed, and eleventh is Dave Marcus. And now, pounding out of turn number four, Ridley goes to the bottom of the racetrack once again. He is running eighth in the Trucksmore car. Drops back into line in the ninth spot. That'll mark Rudd 8th, Childress 9th, Ridley 10th, Lake Speed 11th, and Dave Marcus 12th. And Barney here, the racing is as good, if not better, in the middle of the pack as it is up front. Well, it always is in NASCAR. You can have two or three of the top front runners go out of the race, and the guys that are riding along in that second wave move up and take up the slack. It is the most competitive automobile racing in the world. We say that all the time, but if you've ever seen a NASCAR race, you know what we're talking about. If you haven't, and you do see one, you'll indeed know what we're talking about. We are 33 laps into the 200 that make up the Budweiser 400 here at Texas World Speedway on a hot June afternoon, and that's putting it mildly. The temperature will go into the 90s. The humidity must be 142% or approaching that figure right now. Here's Walter back on pit road. Let's go to Ned Jarrett. They have some more of the block sealer to go in. The engine of that car number 11, Tim Brewer, Junior Johnson out there, Jeff Hammond, and the rest of the crew, Harold Elliott, the chief engine builder for the Junior Johnson and Associates team over doing what they can to try to get the car cooled off. In fact, they're not even filling, well, they've already filled it up with gasoline. They're not attempting to change tires because that's not their problem now. The overheating engine is their problem. So it's going to be a long afternoon for these fellows. They have it to fill back up again. They'll be ready to roll in just a moment. So Waltrip's bad luck seems to continue. I talked with him yesterday about they have not been qualifying that well lately. We'll get that conversation in a moment. Mike Joy. Still watching that seventh place race, Barney. Up in turn number four, Jody Ridley has done what no one else has been able to do, and that's jump his car right down to the bottom of the racetrack. He got by not only Childress, but Ricky Rudd also. Eli Gold at turn one can take a look at how that seventh place race shapes up. I've been watching that extensively. Ricky Rudd has not been able to keep the car low on the racetrack in one and two. Right now, Ricky goes way high. Ridley goes downstairs. Childress goes down. So, too, does Lake Speed. So, Ricky Rudd has not handled nearly as well as Kyle Petty spins through a plume of smoke entering turn number one. On the grass, he comes up the banking, spins back down the banking to the apron as the race is being under, put under caution here as Kyle Petty 
smoking severely as he entered turn one, had the car begin to spin. He is out of harm's way on the apron. Kyle Petty brings out the first caution flag of the afternoon. The rest of the field will race back to the start finish line, but there will be no change in the front three. It will continue to be Bobby Allison in the lead, Lamonti riding second, Benny Parsons up to third spot. Sir, are you aware you were going 40 miles an hour? This is a residential area. Sure, but I'm on my lawnmower. Wait, am I getting a ticket? No, I've just never seen anyone top nine miles an hour on one of those bad boys. And mow their entire lawn in 30 seconds? What got into you? Well, it did fuel up at Sunoco this morning. At Sunoco, we know how to fuel peak performance. We've been doing it for American Racing for over 50 years. Fuel your best. First caution of the day brought out when Kyle Petty, under a cloud of smoke, spun up in turn number one. That brings everyone on to pit road. Let's go down to Ned. And those that need that chassis adjustment, Benny Parsons is one that's getting one, but more. Working on the left rear of that car, they are changing all four tires, as is Bobby Allison, but no chassis adjustment being made on the Hardy's number 28 because he was handling so well. Benny Parsons beats Allison out, so he's down and away. Jody Ridley in for four-tire change. They were only about 10 to 12 laps away from a scheduled pit stop, so they certainly welcome this opportunity to come in uh, during the caution and make those adjustments change those tires, see how that tire wear is, and then get them back out ready for the run. Almost everyone that was on the lead lap came on to pit road during that exchange. Dave Marcus having a bit of a lengthy stay there on pit road with his Norton-sponsored machine, the Buick, number 71. And the hood is up again on the Daryl Waltrip Jr. Johnson machine, still trying to cure that overheating problem, Ned. Yes, they, and they have the car jacked up. Tim Brewer is underneath the car, so they're trying to to service that car in every way they possibly can during this caution period. They were in just a few laps before that caution came out and lost more time uh, under the green flag and now taking time uh, during this slowdown period to try to do more work on it and try to keep him in there and earn as many points as he possibly can. This is just the first of three weeks in a row on the Wista Cup circuit. Next Sunday, we'll be at Riverside, California as Motor Racing Network brings you all the action of the Warner Hodgson 400 for the Winston Cup cars. Two weeks from today... We'll be bringing you the action from the Gabriel 400 at Brooklyn, Michigan on the ultra-competitive two-mile Michigan International Speedway. Then the Winston Cup racers have a week off before they come to Summer Speed Week 1981 at the World Center of Speed in Daytona Beach with the Daytona Six Hours Thursday night, July 2nd, and the Paul Revere. Friday night, July 3rd, the Paul Revere 250, the midnight ride of Paul Revere that kicks off Firecracker 400 day, as it were, 10 a.m. The Winston Cup cars will embark on the Firecracker 400. If you come to Daytona, you can see that Paul Revere race from the infield and stick around, camp out, watch the 4th of July fireworks. Then at 10 a.m., see the Firecracker 400, and by 2 p.m., well, you're on the beach, soaking up some of that Atlantic Ocean salt and some of that beautiful Florida sunshine. Mike Joy, this caution could have really been a blessing for Bobby Allison. He's back in the pits right now. They have the deck lid up on his car, and what they're looking at, apparently the gas tank, the fuel cell, was not taking the gasoline. They didn't get it full when he was in here a moment ago and changed all four tires. They're working on it, trying to see if they can find the problem. Had he had to do that during a green flag stop, it would have cost him a lot of time. They have the deck lid down now. They're tapping the gas tank off, and they, they're going in with the second tank of, of uh, fuel right now, so he didn't get even a half a tank when he was in here earlier. He's back out in the running now. So his luck continues. Bobby Allison, who the team is one of the best prepared in the business, but they've also had more than their share of breaks this year, and that's what it takes to be atop the Winston Cup point standings and have the success that that team has had. 
Interesting, Barney, that the next four races on the Winston Cup circuit, well, including today, are at such diverse points in the country. We're here in Texas. Next Sunday, the West Coast Winston Cup fans will get a chance to see these cars at Riverside, California. Two weeks from today, we'll be up in the northern United States and Michigan with Winston Cup racing and then down to Florida, down to Daytona Beach on the 4th of July. So no matter where you live in the country, the Winston Cup racing is coming near you. Why not plan right now to attend the most competitive auto racing in the world? Most of the ticket offices are open today. All of them will be open tomorrow, and you can call up and reserve your seats. For the greatest show in auto racing, NASCAR Winston Cup Racing, it is coming your way. California next Sunday, Michigan in two weeks, and Florida on the 4th of July. Why not plan now to attend your next Winston Cup race? 38 laps into the 200 laps that will make up the Budweiser 400 here at Texas World Speedway. This is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. Bobby Allison, after a very long stay on pit road, finally gets the car back down the racetrack. Let's find out an update on that story from Ned Jarrett. He came back in a second time, Barney Hall. We're trying to get over here to Waddell Wilson. They're, they're still planning to bring him back in. But what they think has happened, they think that someone might have stuffed the vent hose on the gas tank so that they uh, could not get the air out of the tank when they put the gas in. And that's the reason that it would not take it the way that uh, it's supposed to. So they're planning, they're working around here, maybe planning to bring it back in again. So a problem on Bobby Allison's Hardy's racing Buick here this afternoon might cost him a chance at winning the Budweiser 400 after currently being the hottest driver on the circuit. He's the most recent winner up at Charlotte Motor Speedway a couple of weeks ago, but he's having his troubles here today. We'll keep abreast of that story. Hardy, one, one of the crew members just came over and told me somebody had stuck a rag in that vent hose, and boy, if you can't get the air out of a fuel cell, the gas will not go in it. So they're thinking sabotage here. Well, that would be indeed bad for Bobby Allison here this afternoon, and I can't imagine anyone in this business doing that, uh, at least in NASCAR racing, because these crews cooperate so much with each other. They're always helpful, as we said a few weeks ago up at Dover, Delaware, when Junie Donlevy finally placed his car in victory lane. How many times he's dropped what he's doing on his own car to help a fellow competitor. And we've seen that almost from the very top, from Richard Petty, Cale, Pearson, everybody. Uh, drop sometimes of what they're doing on their own car to help somebody else who needs it. Barney, we're watching something here in turn number one, and i got to tell Mike Joy I'm not the only guy who can get a car stuck in the mud in Texas because Kyle Petty has done the same thing evidently after the car was spinning through turn number one. It came to rest in the grassy area where there is some standing water from the rain they've had here in Texas. The wreckers tried to get in and tried to hook the car up and pull away, and they kind of got bogged in the mud. So now they have put a long chain between the wrecker and Kyle's automobile. The wrecker is on the asphalt portion of the speedway, and they're pulling Kyle's car, which is still on the grassy area, on a long-distance kind of a tow to free it from uh, the place that had come to a stop. Well, it looks as if uh, someone will share the title of Mudslide Slim <laughs> with Eli Gold this weekend here at College Station. In all fairness to both Kyle and Eli, the rains have been torrential here the last couple of days. And if, as Barney said earlier, if you get anything off the pavement here, it's going to be stuck in the mud. And several folks today have had firsthand experience of that. We talked about Jake Elder helping out with the Billy Hagen, Daryl Bryant Stratigraph crew and helping to put young Terry Labonte on the pole here today at Texas. Another visiting crew chief who's making a very important contribution today is Jay Signore. Jay is the crew chief for Roger Penske Racing. He helped crew Mark Donahue to several Trans Am championships back in the late 60s and is, or was rather, Penske's crew chief when they had the stock car operation running out of Brooklyn, Michigan. Jay Signore is in the Dave Marcus pit today. Marcus, 
Former IROC development driver and former team driver for Roger Penske has picked up the Norton Company sponsorship for today. Norton has a plant in Bryan, Texas, and 500 of their employees are guests here for the Budweiser 400. So Signori is wearing the headset, and he is crew chiefing for Dave Marcus this afternoon, and I'm sure his influence will be felt. Well, we are still under a very lengthy caution flag when Kyle Petty spun down in turn number one to bring out the first one of the day. So while we have a moment under caution, we'll have a chance to chat with Hal Needham, who has just stepped into our booth. Hal, very influential in getting Harry Gant to switch over to their team. you got quite a horse out there today. i got to tell you something. We're so proud of him. Uh, uh, we're so proud of him. When, <laughs> it's kind of funny. I watch Harry uh, four or five different races. Well, I watch him for a long time. Then uh, we were down in uh, Atlanta. And I told Bert, I had Bert up in the booth with me, and I said, Bert, watch him. I said, this guy's really a charger. So by the time the race is over, he says, Hal, I think we ought to hire that guy and put him on our team. I said, good move. And, you know, the strange thing is, as I go down through the pitch, everybody said, you really did something, Needham. You got, first you got Travis Carter as your crew chief. I mean, that is the, the coup of all times. And then get Harry again on top of it. I mean, we're really proud. Well, I was about to ask you how that came about. I knew that... Gant had mixed emotions about moving over to your team because he wasn't really that sure. I think Travis Carter was a big decision in the fact that he went over there. Well, I tell you, as a matter of fact, Travis is the one that kind of introduced us to him. Uh, we went down to practice at Daytona, and when we did, we took um, took Harry down there to, to help us set the car and everything because uh, Stanley doesn't know that much about it. So we took uh, Harry Gant down there to kind of give us some expert opinions. And so I think all the time I was being touted by, uh, by Carter and didn't even know it. That's what happened. <laughs> How a lot of people thought maybe that you and Burt Reynolds jumped into NASCAR racing more or less as a hobby just to kill some time for a month or two to maybe relieve some boredom from something else. But it appears that you're in to stay for a while and you're very serious about maybe running for the championship. Well, I, I tell you what, we're going to watch uh, Gantt. I mean, first of all, I signed a three-year contract with Gantt. And uh, in that contract, it says I have to run him for the championship the year that he wants to run. What I want to do uh, is, is run him all the time. In other words, we're going to watch him right now. And if he stays up there to the fact where he could be in contention, we're going to run him every race. And uh, until he starts, you know, if we start blowing up or having wrecks or thing, get out of the, uh, contention. Because we really weren't ready to run two cars this year. Next year, we'll really come in strong. We'll be ready. And as far as us just coming down here, uh, I mean, all of the NASCAR crews and people and things, they said, uh, a couple of Hollywood boys are going to come down here and they'll be gone. But i got to tell you something, we're here to stay. We'll be here for my my uh, sponsors, the Skull people. Uh, they are absolutely delighted with what's going on. And uh, they're not talking about a two-, three-year contract. I'm going to meet the chairman of the board next Friday. We're talking about eight, ten-year contract with them. So we're here to stay. I'd like to hear about the new movie. We saw some uh, outtakes from Cannonball Run, which premieres later on this month. Uh, we saw the... I believe what 20th Century sends out to the theater operators to get them to book the show. And right. it, uh, it looks like it's going to be a riot. Well, I tell you what, we have the largest order of, of uh, prints for this movie that was ever put out. In other words, you have to have a print for every theater it's going to run in. And we've ordered 1,650 prints. We're, so far, we're booked in 1,635 theaters. It opens uh, June 19th across the nation. I sincerely believe, and I'm not, I hope I'm not being prejudiced about this because I directed it, but <laughs> I sincerely believe it's going to be the picture of the year, and I think that it'll probably do the kind of business that uh, Smokey and the Bandit did. Uh, now, for race fans, there's going to be a lot of excitement in this movie. Of course, there's a lot of action. It's going to be great family entertainment, but I understand there are a few little things that only the diehard folks involved in this sport are going to understand. Uh, I hear that Ken Squire has a bit part in the movie. <laughs> I think Ken Squire came up to do a little... They were, they were rerunning the uh, uh, rocket car show, 
and uh, you know when Stan Barrett broke the um, um, sound barrier and Ken come up to do a little interview with me so he got there that morning I said Kenley have you ever been in a movie picture and he said no I said I'm gonna cast you so I made him a highway patrolman so here's Ken Squire with hair clear down to his collar and I made him a highway patrolman and it's really been, it was really fun doing it. Mike Joy, let me interrupt you here for just a moment please. This is Ned Jarrett in the pits. Bobby Allison was back in again and they indeed did pull a rag out of the vent hose out from that car number 28. What else? What are your thoughts? Well, I don't know how it got in there, but uh, when we came in on that caution and started trying to fill the car up, it wouldn't take the gas, so I knew there's something wrong in there. And we came back in and I jobbed a screwdriver up in the vent hose and found that there was a rag in there. We had to take it loose the tank, though, to blow it on out of the tank. Do you think that everything's okay now? Oh, yes, it's fine now. Any thoughts about how it got in there? <laughs> not really. Well, you can sort of gather from the way he said that, not really, that they do have their own thoughts, but they're not about to accuse anyone because they wouldn't even know where to start. So that's the problem on Bobby Allison's car. Hal, they're getting ready to put him back under green. Thanks for taking a minute to stop by with us. My pleasure. Thank you very much, Jens. Harry Gant has moved up pretty well right now, and right now in the lead is car number 15. That's Benny Parsons riding second is Tim Richmond. Up to third spot is Earnhardt. Fourth is Labonte, and in fifth position is Harry Gant as they get ready to put him back under green as they move to turn number three. In the sixth position would be Joe Rutman. Seventh is Ricky Rudd. Eighth spot would be Jody Ridley. Richard Childress having a fine day today. He's in ninth position. Lake Speed is tenth. Dave Marcus is 11th, and Bobby Allison, after numerous pit stops, is at the tail end of the high groove in that lead pack, and he has the 12th position. 13th would be Buddy Arrington on the lineup as the pace car hits pit road, and they begin to come back to speed. Benny Parsons in the Bud Moore, Melling Tool Ford, keeping it slow past the entrance of pit road, and Harold Kinder turns them loose. Under the green flag and diving to the bottom of the racetrack goes Richard Childers. He wants to pick up a few spots. They are five cars wide coming across the start-finish line as they head down at turn number one. Parsons ahead of the field. It's going to be Tim Richmond going second. Going third will be Dale Earnhardt. Lamonti fourth. Low on the racetrack fifth. Up to the high side is going to be Joe Rutman. We'll watch now the battle as it shapes up for fourth place between Labonte to the low side, Rutman to the high side. Labonte low on the racetrack, swings off the turn. Now a battle for second is going inside the racetrack as Earnhardt alongside Richmond and Petty. They're three abreast, four abreast. Now going through turn number three, but it's Parsons out in front. Now Dale Earnhardt moving up into second position. Earnhardt with Labonte right on him, moving up into third position now. But Parsons holds the lead as they come down this front straightaway. We've got a car spinning up into the wall off the back straightaway to turn three and four. It's Rick Newsom. Rick Newsom has spun right up in the middle of the groove, and the caution comes right back out of the speedway. Car does a couple of loops in the middle of three and four, comes down on the apron of the track, and will bring the second caution flag of the afternoon out. As the field thunders back into turn one, let's go back to Eli Gold. Well, Rick Newsom, we were watching him as uh, Woody was describing the action at the point. Rick Newsom worked his way down the back straightaway, and the car never seemed to turn. Just went up the banking and found a bit of the wall near the Texas World Speedway sign, did a couple of loop-de-loops, touched the wall, and came back towards the apron. Rick last, last Newsom year they now ran. pulls out of the car. He is okay. He walks off to the side of the car. He is very disgusted, but he is uh, out of harm's way down at the bottom of the racetrack. Well, Barney, Barney Hall, the first caution was brought out when Kyle Petty spun into the first turn down there. Kyle, there was a reason for that spin. Yeah, we, uh, Betty just went around me, and I guess a good thing he did because I blew up right after he went around. We broke a rod, and the motor just locked up, and it locked the rear tires and everything. We just slid down in the mud. 
Kyle, when a, a lot of people don't understand when an engine lets go like that, of course, you said it locked the rear wheels, but also there's oil and water that gets under the wheels, too, which breaks traction for you. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of times you'll blow a motor and uh, it, it doesn't really lock the rear wheels and you can still drive the car, but there's so much oil and stuff under the car that it'll just take off. And up against the bank, 95% of the time, it's going to head straight for the wall. So I'd, I'd kind of snatched it and tried to get it down in the grass before it could take back off that way. It's awfully humid here today. Of course, you're a young fellow. You can stand it better than some of those out there, but how was it for you? Well, it wasn't really bad running by yourself, but running in a draft, we got up, I got up in a draft a couple of times, and running in a draft is really hot in the cars, and I don't know, some of the guys might be able to make it, but some of them probably won't. Well, that's Kyle Petty. He's out of it here now. Benny Parsons leads as we're under the second caution of the day. Last year, this race ran nonstop without a yellow flag, and two years ago, they had only one caution, and it came when rookie Dale Earnhardt spun and hit the wall in turn three, just five laps from the finish. We've now had the second caution of the afternoon coming out on lap 44. Rick Newsom spinning up in turn number three. Leaders, Benny Parsons, Tim Richmond, and Terry Labonte visit Pitt Road along with Dale Earnhardt and James Hilton. From the Texas World Speedway, this is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. At Texas World Speedway, we've completed 46 of the 200 laps that'll make up today's Budweiser NASCAR 400. Ned Jarrett has gone to the garage area to try and catch up with Daryl Waltrip, who has parked the Mountain Dew machine for the afternoon. Well, Mike, I haven't been able to catch up with Daryl Waltrip, but Junior Johnson is here in our site. Junior, what finally went wrong with the Mountain Dew Buick? Well, Ned, about 10 laps after the race started, uh, Daryl called us and said it was running hot, and uh, when he made his first pit stop, the water was running out the left exhaust pipe, so it busted a cylinder head, basically, is what it done. Junior, this seems to be a problem with the General Motors cars. Well, it's been a problem for a good while, and, and it's a problem that could be fixed if NASA, they have aluminum cylinder head available for these cars, and they're about twice as cheap as the ones we're running now, and we, we put a, about a $3,000 set of heads on these things every race. The others is about seven, dollars $800, five sets of them that run us all year long, but still we're, we're putting $3,000 sets of heads on every race. It's just craziness as far as I'm concerned. They won't allow the head to run because Ford don't have them and Chrysler don't have them. And all the, you know, the General Motors people, it's no horsepower. It is about five or ten pounds lighter. And they hollering because they're lighter, they won't let them run them. They're just breaking the people with the cylinder heads. Well, here's a fellow that's fought hard to try to get those aluminum heads on there. And, of course, he's a victim of it right here today. Daryl Walter has climbed out of the shower now. We'll just say a word to him. Daryl, of course, you look refreshed right now, but it was hot out there for a little bit. Well, it looked like we might have had them covered. The car really was driving good and uh, is running good. And all of a sudden, they just... Went from 180 on water temperature to about 240, and of course, uh, you know, that means we busted something ahead or a cylinder wall or something like that. Uh, today, uh, probably the first day this year that I really felt good about the car, the way it was driving and handling, and I thought we really had a super shot and we were going to get back on the right track, but uh, we're out early and on to, on to uh, Riverside, I guess. Well, that's a track that he likes well. He's won a lot of races there. I like to say hi to everybody back in Franklin. I hadn't had an opportunity in a pretty good while to say hello to Mr. Isaacs and Flip Hood and Ed Silva and everybody. Well, when you stay in there and win those races, you don't get to talk to us on the radio much. No, and I need to keep my... Uh, uh, my, uh, the door open there because I might need a job one of these days. <laughs> well, I doubt that. Now back to network control. <laughs> so a tough break for Darrell Waltrip, who is out here this afternoon in the Mountain Dew machine, and a Junior Johnson, who has some very strong thoughts about the aluminum heads, and there's two schools of thoughts in that in the garage. You could talk to some other guys, and they kind of want to go the other way. So what it will all resolve to will 
be kind of in the future down the road, I guess. Here is Lake Speed back on pit road. Currently in the lead as we're riding under caution here is Joe Rutman. He's run a good race this afternoon, and he's beginning to show quite a bit of promise in NASCAR racing, Mike. He's made a few outings with us this year. Uh, last year out in California at Riverside, he was very outspoken against the NASCAR folks at uh, Ontario Speedway. Felt like that NASCAR racing was a closed association. The drivers wouldn't cooperate. And I think he's had a chance to run with them since that time, and he's changed his whole opinion about this business. I think it's true of any racing organization, Barney, where you have fellows that have competed against each other for 20 years or more, and where you have second and even third generation drivers. But as many of the newcomers have found this year and in the last couple of years, breaking out of the circuit is a little tough, but once you get accepted for what you can do on the racetrack, everybody is pretty willing to help and lend, lend a hand and lend advice are the comments that we've heard through the garage area. So, yes, it's a tough circuit to break into, but once you get in, it's an easy circuit to show what you can do and to run well. Well, they get an awful lot of help. Ron Bouchard said that without the help of many of the drivers, like Cale and Richard Petty, they would come over and he could ask them anything about this business, and they'd open up to him, and that, that makes it a whole lot easier to get into it. Here comes Wrangler, and he's one tough customer. On the track, Dale Earnhardt is one tough customer. But off the track, Dale relaxes in easy-going Wrangler gear. Jeans, shirts, boots, and western wear for the whole family. Comfortable clothes for tough customers like Dale Earnhardt and you. Here comes Wrangler, and he's one tough customer, and he knows what he likes when he sees it. Next time you walk through the pits at a NASCAR race, watch for the drivers drinking Gatorade Thirst Quencher. You'll see them, and it'll tell you two things. It'll tell you just how hot it gets in those cockpits, and it'll tell you how important Gatorade is when it comes time to help replace the fluids and salts you sweat away. You'll also see the pit crew slugging down Gatorade, and that'll tell you something else. You don't have to be an athlete to use Gatorade. Sweat is sweat, whether you're behind the wheel of an NASCAR racer or behind a hot lawnmower in your own backyard. Either way, Gatorade gives your body what it's thirsty for. 28 of the 34 starters in the Budweiser 400 are still in contention out of the race. We just heard from Daryl Waltrip and Kyle Petty. Morgan Shepard, the Rookie of the Year point leader, is out. Also, D.K. Ulrich has retired his car. Kirk Shelmerdine has put the backup Richard Childress car into the garage area. And Baxter Price has the second Jimmy Means machine already retired for the afternoon. Those six are the only cars out of the race. We're just one quarter of the way through the Budweiser 400. June is a busy month on the Motor Racing Network schedule. Next week, we'll go to Riverside, California, out to Les Richter's nine-turn road course to bring you the Warner Hodgson 400. For NASCAR, Winston Cup cars and drivers, two weeks from today, we're at Brooklyn, Michigan, for the running of the Gabriel 400 Winston Cup race. Then, July 4th, back to Daytona Beach to bring you all the action of the Firecracker 400, Saturday morning, July the 4th. July 19th, we'll take a look at Indianapolis-type racing with the Norton 500 from Michigan International Speedway. On July 26th, we'll make our one appearance at Pocono, Pennsylvania to carry the Mountain Dew 500 NASCAR Winston Cup race on most of these motor racing network stations. The Talladega 500 comes up on August the 2nd from the world's fastest speedway at Talladega, Alabama. Then we'll go back to Michigan on August 16th for the champion Sparkplug 400 NASCAR race. August 30th, it's IndyCar racing at Riverside on the road course. August 30th with the Los Angeles Times California 500. In September, on the 20th, we'll be at Dover, Delaware for the CRC Chemicals 500. And on the 27th, we'll bring you the Old Dominion 500 from Martinsville, Virginia. Back to Martinsville November 1st for the Cardinal 500, NASCAR Late Model Sportsman and Modified Doubleheader. And we'll close out the broadcast year and the Winston Cup season on November 22nd 
back at Riverside, California with the Winston Western 500. Why not take a minute to drop a note to the Motor Racing Network affiliate you're listening to today? Tell them how much you appreciate hearing the broadcast of NASCAR, CART, Motorcycle, and USAC modified late model sportsman racing here on the Motor Racing Network. They would appreciate it, and so would we. Bobby Allison's quickly into the pits. Ned? Yeah, they came in to top the gas tank off, Mike, for one thing, and they're also checking the tire pressure on the right side. Now, you don't see that too often on pit stops in NASCAR Winston Cup racing, but they did. They thought uh, maybe they had failed to check them before they put those tires on. They just wanted to be sure. 50 laps completed. We're one quarter of the way home in the Budweiser 400 at Texas World Speedway. This is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. Back at Texas World Speedway, we're working the 50th lap, or 100 miles, here this afternoon with 300 miles yet to go in the Budweiser 400, and already the attrition rate is beginning to build. The heat and everything else in the racetrack here always takes its toll in June when we come here to Texas World Speedway. Darrell Waltrip has retired his car with engine problems, and also out is Kyle Petty, and Ernie Moore down trackside is giving the field to take one. We'll go back to green in just a moment when they come back around. Harry Gant has become the sixth different leader of the Budweiser NASCAR 400, following Terry Labonte, Bobby Allison, Waltrip, Dale Earnhardt and Benny Parsons. Gant is now at the head of the field. Ricky Rudd in the Diegard Gatorade Oldsmobile is second. The Norton Buick of Dave Marcus rides in the third spot. And the Stratograph Buick of Paul Sitter Terry Labonte is in fourth. They're up in front of Eli Gold. Dale Earnhardt is now lined up in fifth. It's a double final restart with the quicker cars, the lead cars to the outside. Lined up in sixth spot is Benny Parsons. Tim Richmond going seventh. Then comes the Lake Speed, Jody Ridley, and Joe Rutman automobiles. So as the field now begins to bunch tightly down the back straightaway, your front row, the lead automobile is Harry Gant. Inside of him is a man who at this point, I guess, is trying to get himself back on the lead lap. That would be Richard Petty. Well, the latest rundown we had from scoring indicates that Richard is just one lap off in the STP Buick, so you can never count Richard Petty out. Kyle has gone to the garage area, lost an engine, and is out for the day. Pace car takes the field up into turn number three with Harry Gant riding up front, and Mike Joy, it can't be too much longer before Gant makes it to victory lane. Just no way. He has come so close on so many occasions, Barney, and has such a string of second-place finishes. Everybody's kind of stopped holding their breath and just, you know, it's kind of like the baby that's three weeks overdue. It'll happen when it happens. But it's bound to sooner or later. Gant has that much driving talent. He's got Travis Carter and a good crew. The backing of Reynolds and Needham ensures that they have everything they need, except perhaps just the circumstances that'll get them to victory lane. Well, if the cloud ever dissipates over their head, they'll certainly be in victory lane. It could happen here today. He's in command right now as they get ready to put him back under green. Here's the pace car hitting pit road, and they come up through the gearbox, a digging down to the start finish line. And Harold Kinder, like a matador, puts him under green as he waves that flag. Gant gets up to the gearbox, but Ricky Rudd comes underneath him and goes after the lead in turn one. Ricky wants a piece of the lead as he looks to the inside of Harry Gant. Green, the predominating color here as Ricky Rudd sweeps downstairs, has the lead. Here comes Harry Gant, though. He wants it right back to the high side. Richard Petty is third on the racetrack now. He is tucked in between Dave Marcus, Labonte, and Earnhardt. Midway down the back straightaway. Rudd to the inside. Gant to the outside. Side by side for the lead to turn three. And it's Rudd, but it's Terry Labonte moving way down. Three abreast on the inside, and it's Terry Labonte going into the lead. Here in turn number three with Dale Earnhardt right behind him for second place. Labonte with the hammer down comes around turn number four. 
What a move by Terry Labonte. He took a big chance in going into turn number three, put his car to the bottom of the racetrack, and drafted by the entire field. He's in front. Earnhardt latches onto a piece of the draft, and they're beginning to pull away in turn one. It'll be seven car lanes between your two leaders and third place runner Harry Gant, but here comes Benny Parsons. He's on the rumble. He moves low on the racetrack, going by Marcus, going by Rudd, moves into the high side now and tucks in behind the number eight. 33 of Harry Gant. So your leader is Labonte. Earnhardt right there in second and rumbling to third is Betty Parsons and Gant in a battle. But it is Labonte and Earnhardt nose to tail as they come through turn number three. Earnhardt looking for a way down underneath but Labonte cutting him off. Labonte maintains that lead as the two cars come down through turn number four. Out of turn number four and back to the start finish line. There's single file over the hump off the fourth turn. Labonte leading Earnhardt, then it's about a second back to Benny Parsons in third. Going fourth will be Harry Gant, holding now the fifth for this, and it's going to be Dave Marcus, sixth for Ricky Rudd, Joe Rutman is seventh, Blake Speed is eighth, Jody Ridley ninth, Tim Richmond tenth. Moving up now to 11th spot is Bobby Allison, 12th for Richard Childress. Bobby Allison clicking off a position now as he works to the inside of Richmond. Your leaders stabilize to turn three. Let's pause 10 seconds for station identification. Out of turn number four and back to the line, hometown favorite Terry Labonte puts his car at the head of the field. Earnhardt is all over him as they come across the start-finish line. Dale goes after the lead back in turn one. The Wrangler jeans machine effortlessly inside. Labonte has the lead, taking the middle groove, now a bit of a lower groove through turns one and two. Your leader is Earnhardt going second is Labonte. Strong in third place is Benny Parsons. Then going fourth is Dave Marcus. Going fifth at this point is Harry Gant. Your leader stringing out down the back straightaway, and here's Benny Parsons on on the move for third. Benny Parsons on the inside of Labonte. Benny Parsons cannot get by Labonte. It's side by side. Labonte holding the second. Now Benny Parsons noses into second. But Richard Petty is in that group. He is running in fourth right now. A lap down. He is looking to make a move, but Earnhardt has the lead. Mike Joy, Terry Labonte showed a lot of maturity right there when he backed off and let Parsons get along and move up front as they battle for the lead back in turn number one, running door to door. You're going to lose some ground. There's a whale of a battle for the lead in one. It's a dandy. Two abreast now as it's going to be behind Benny Parsons. Earnhardt in second upstairs. Labonte in third downstairs. Benny pulls away. Earnhardt steps on the jeans machine button. He'll hang on to second place by a slim margin over Labonte, who now goes third, looking to the inside. Then comes a Richard Petty automobile. He is a lap down, though, fourth on the racetrack. Well, Labonte made a sharp move. It didn't quite pay off. He let Benny Parsons go rather than battle him for the spot and tried to hook up in the draft. Parsons, though, was too quick and got around Earnhardt and back up in front of the draft, leaving Labonte kind of hanging out there to dry in the low groove all by himself. They form up single file. Parsons at the stripe, leading Earnhardt and Labonte. Then Petty a lap down. Fourth place car posted as Dave Marcus. In fifth would be Harry Gant as they head for Eli Gold in turn one. Sixth is Joe Rutman, and up to seventh now is Bobby Allison as Lake Speed is back to eighth. Marcus now on the move. He says, I can't let that lead draft get away as he pulls away from Harry Gant and now tucks on right behind Richard Petty. So Petty, though a lap down among the leaders in that draft, it's now five cars to turn three. Meanwhile, it is Parsons out in front with Earnhardt and Terry Labonte running in that number three position. But Richard Petty is right there as he is looking to unlap himself, and now Labonte tries it solely underneath. Earnhardt cannot make a go, tucks back in as they head for the straightaway. Five cars ride the lead draft back to the start-finish line. Harold Kinder works the passing flag for leader Benny Parsons. Earnhardt trails along about a half a car length back. Benny was well aware of how critical the draft was here. He used that a moment ago to switch around down the front straightaway to get into the lead. Sure, when you run this fast, the draft becomes awfully important, Barney. Although, uh, you know, let's face it, you've got to get through these turns. 
uh, to be able to draft. And that is, I guess that's the key to Texas is, you know, the car that can get through the bumpiness and the corners as better than anybody else is probably the guy's going to win. Well, he's getting through it extremely well here right now as he heads up to the high groove over in turn four. Parsons right there. Parsons with Earnhardt and Labonte continue as they turn through turn four. Benny Parsons leads a five-car draft back to the line. Just about a car length ahead of Dale Earnhardt now. The Wrangler Jeans machine back to third is Labonte. He's backed off for the moment. That car is extremely strong, and I'm sure Jake Elder's on the radio with him saying, hey, we got 300 miles to go, Terry. Just ride along in that lead draft, bide your time, watch some of those front runners, find out where their weak and strong points are, and cool it for a lap or two. That's what he's doing right now. Great battle for fifth off turn number two. Two, forget the battle. Well, now let's pick it up again because first Bobby Allison pulled away from Gant and Rutman. Now to turn three, Rutman and Gant right back with Allison for fifth. Allison now looking for a way around. Allison is going to try to go low to get to move up. Meanwhile, Parsons has the lead and also Mark is moving into a strong fourth in front of Petty. Mark has just about clipped the wall coming off turn four. The shadow, the way it cast its shadow on the wall. There was just not an inch of daylight between Dave Marcus and the wall as he got precariously close up there as they come over the tunnel heading for the front straightaway. 60 laps complete here at Texas World Speedway. The Budweiser 400. To set the field, it's Benny Parsons and the Bud Moore Melling Tool Ford. With about a three-car length advantage on Dale Earnhardt. Same distance back to Terry Labonte in third. Dave Marcus holds the fourth spot. Bobby Allison has worked up to fifth. Sixth is now Joe Rutman in the seventh position. Lake Speed has just gone by Harry Gant, who was back in the eighth spot. Riding along in the ninth position is Jody Ridley. And in tenth is Ricky Rudd at 60 of the 200 laps that will make up this Budweiser 400. From the Texas World Speedway, this is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. Back at Texas World Speedway, 62 laps complete of the 200 that make up the Budweiser 400 this afternoon. Heading up into turn number three, Benny Parsons and Earnhardt go at it for the lead. Earnhardt now moves on the inside of Parsons. Earnhardt's coming up on slow traffic, trying to make a bid on Parsons. He will not be able to do it. They'll tuck back in. Earnhardt took a look down at that low groove, and that's a place you don't want to be, trying to get out of turn number four. Had second thoughts immediately and comes out of the throttle, Eli Gold, and for the moment he seems content to ride back there. At this point he does. I think he's hounding Benny just a bit, Earnhardt is. They go by now, Roger Hamby's car, likewise that of Dick May, but your lead cars, they still tighten up. Earnhardt is down by a car length and a half to Benny Parsons, and off turn number two, here comes Terry Labonte. He's down by about three car lengths. It's still Parsons, Earnhardt, and Labonte. But now Allison tries to make a move, moves up into third place in front of Marcus, and here comes Rutman with him. Rutman is now in fourth position. Field works their way out of turn number four. It's Benny Parsons in the lead. Riding second is Earnhardt. Dales took a look at him a couple of times, just biding his time as to where he might want to try and take the lead away from Parsons. Riding along in third spot, just one car length back is Terry Labonte. Then moving up to fourth now is Bobby Allison, and he's about the fastest car on the racetrack, and he's dragging Joe Rutman right along with him as they link up in a draft and head down to the south end of the speedway. Rutman and Allison trying to chase down your lead automobiles. Interesting this time by Earnhardt. Looked to go past Benny Parsons to the high side in turn number one. Benny was able to work well down low, and Earnhardt just cut it off and tucked it right back in behind Benny again. Now it's Parsons and Earnhardt. Earnhardt tries low again on Parsons, and it's side-by-side side through turn number three. They come through turn number four side-by-side. Side. Earnhardt is not giving up this time. Earnhardt wants the lead, but Parsons says no. Dale Earnhardt has the low side, and he is alongside Benny Parsons. 
at the stripe. It is Parsons by just about one and a half feet, and they carry the battle to turn one. This time, Benny is forced to go to the high side, opens the door downstairs for Earnhardt. Dale takes it by a car length of an advantage. Benny not working as well up high, allows Richard Petty to try and close. Again, remember, he's a lap down. Going third is going to be Terry Labonte. Fourth now for Bobby Allison in closing. Rutman watching in fifth. Your leader is Earnhardt, but here comes the heat from Parsons. Parsons making a move now, trying that low side. No, he's not going to go, but Petty is sitting right in there, trying to get by both to unlap himself. They're coming up on slow traffic. They both go high through turn number four, but it's Earnhardt Parsons with Petty trying to unlap himself, and Terry Labonte about to make a move. As they come down to the start-finish line, Benny Parsons breaks the draft, drops down to the inside, and they go door-to-door -door beside of Earnhardt into turn one for the lead. Unbelievable with Benny now working low. They attack the turn one banking of 22 degrees. This time, Earnhardt upstairs, Benny down low, and they'll stay side by side. They're coming up on Buddy Arrington's automobile. That'll be a lapped automobile if they come off turn number two. Still, side by side, Earnhardt to the outside with the nose of an advantage in front of Benny Parsons. Door handle to door handle, and Parsons sticks a nose out in front. Parsons has the lead, but Earnhardt comes right back on the inside of Parsons to take the lead. And right behind them, looking for a way through to unlap himself is still Richard Petty with Terry Labonte, and here comes Bobby Allison on the inside of Labonte. Dale Earnhardt made another gamble going into turns three and four, took that car right down to the bottom of the racetrack in some of the broken pavement there, and scooted up front and has the lead here in the Budweiser 400 with 67 laps complete. 70 laps completed in the Budweiser NASCAR 400 at College Station, Texas. Dale Earnhardt has the Wrangler jeans machine, the Pontiac of the Rod Osterlin team out in front. And Benny Parsons is giving him a real run for the money in the, in the Melling Tool. Ford out of the Budmore stable. In third is Terry Labonte, the pole sitter in the Stratograph Buick. In fourth is the Hardy's Buick of Bobby Allison. Fifth, the five racers Buick. That belongs to Californian Joe Rutman. Sixth in the Norton Buick is Dave Marcus. Seventh in the Speed Oldsmobile, that's Lake Speed. Eighth in the Trucksmore Ford is Jody Ridley. In ninth, the Gatorade Oldsmobile, that's Ricky Rudd. And in tenth, the Reynolds and Needham Pontiac for Harry Gant. Eleventh on the lead lap is the Uno Buick, that's Tim Richmond. And in twelfth, in the Pontiac car number three is Richard Childress. One lap behind is the STP Buick of Richard Petty. He is 13th, Randy Ogden. The Piedmont Airlines machine is 14th. Two laps down, 15th is Cecil Gordon, 16th is H.B. Bailey, 17th is James Hilton, 18th to Buddy Arrington. J.D. McDuffie is 19th. Tommy Gale has the 20th spot, 21st to Jimmy Means. In the 22nd position is Lowell Cowell in the Roger Hamby Kings Inn of Daytona car. 23rd is the 75 car. Joe Milliken was slated to be the driver. Dick May started the car. In 24th spot is Roger Hamby, or rather Lowell Cowell in the 25th position would be the D.K. Ulrich machine, the number 40 car, and behind the wheel of that car today is Rick Baldwin out of Corpus Christi, Texas. Racing in 27th spot and three laps down is Bobby Wawak, and in 28th is Ronnie Thomas, rather in 27th spot, out of the race, Rick Newsom, Darrell Waltrip, Kyle Petty, the Morgan Shepard car, D.K. Ulrich, Kirk Shelmerdine, and Baxter Price. And 
Mike, Rick Newsom is here with me now. Of course, he was a victim of a spin. What happened over there, Rick? I blew an engine going into three Ned, and the oil got down underneath the car and couldn't keep it out of the wall. Well, when that happens, there's just nothing you can do but sit there and ride it out. No, I tried to get it to come down, and when it hit the oil, it started going back up the racetrack, and I knew it was going to hit hard, but I didn't know it was going to hit quite that hard. Rick, you've had so much tough luck. you got to feel that you're one of the hardest luck drivers in the sport. I don't know. I just don't know what the problem is, Ned. We we blew an engine pretty bad down at Talladega, and luckily there we didn't tear anything up. But where it blew here today, you know, you don't have all that banking to keep you down. It got in the wall pretty good. It tore the car pretty good. Well, we're sorry to see you have that tough luck. Better luck next time around. All right. Thank you, Ned. Bobby Allison looked like he was just been shot out of a cannon going up into turn number three as he has taken over the third spot and now works his way up. It looks like into second spot, Eli Gold. He does. He goes downstairs on Benny Parsons and takes over second place going around race traffic at the same time. And again, we've said Benny has been strong, but not nearly as strong if he's forced to go one groove up. He is not working all that well up the banking. So everybody's trying to force him upstairs and go past him downstairs. That's what Earnhardt did earlier, and that's what he did to keep Benny Parsons back in position, and that's exactly what Bobby Allison did to pass Benny. Well, the drivers that are working in the corners are the drivers that are getting it done here this afternoon, and that was the prediction from several of the gentlemen in the garage area yesterday. It is Earnhardt in front, Bobby Allison riding second, Parsons is third, fourth is Joe Rutman. He's having a splendid run here this afternoon, and fifth is Terry Labonte. From Texas World Speedway, this is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. Back at Texas World Speedway, 76 laps complete, 152 miles in the battles for the lead, Barney Hall. As they come into turn number four, Earnhardt takes his car down to the bottom of the racetrack. Bobby Allison got alongside in the middle of the corner, and Earnhardt is the only car that can stick right on the bottom coming out of turn number four, and that's been the difference in keeping Bobby Allison back there as they hit turn one. This time it's going to be somewhat of a middle groove for Dale Earnhardt. Bobby will follow suit. Likewise, Benny Parsons going in third. Your fourth-place runner is going to be Terry Labonte, feeling the heat from Joe Rutman. He is a tight fifth. Your lead automobile now, Earnhardt, off turn number two, midway down the back straightaway to Carl lanes of an edge over Benny Parsons or at least Bobby Allison in second. Benny is nose to tail in third. Bobby Allison starting to close on Earnhardt but again Earnhardt drops way down inside of turn number three. He stays there. He pulls distance on both Allison and Parsons and now Parsons comes underneath Allison trying to make a bid for second spot but he tucks back in. Earnhardt has the lead. As they come back to the line single file. Ned this has to be a surprise to watch Earnhardt take that car right down to the bottom of the racetrack in three and four because in practice nobody's been running there. Barney was interesting in the drivers meeting this morning Bud Moore brought out uh, a point to the NASCAR official conducting the driver's meeting, said, hey, said, tell them monkeys not to drive down on that apron where that broken pavement is, said, that's not the racetrack. And here he is beating those cars behind him by doing just that. Earnhardt is the only car in the field that's able to run right down to the bottom of the racetrack in three and four. Everybody else is running at least a lane to two lanes higher up in that end of the speedway. Earnhardt has now stretched his lead to about ten car lengths. The battle is for second spot. It's a hot one between Bobby Allison and Benny Parsons as they come a-digging out of turn number four. This time, Parsons hangs on to the second spot. Allison drops back to third. Labonte has his hands full for the fourth position right now in turn one with Joe Rutman. Rutman is to the inside of Labonte. Terry goes a bit higher into the turn, opens the door, and says thank you. Does Joe Rutman? He'll take fourth spot away. So Labonte is back now to fifth and still hanging on among those leaders, though a lap down himself is Richard Petty. Your leader midway down the back straightaway is Dale Earnhardt. Showing the way over Benny Parsons, Bobby Allison is third. But Benny Parsons is holding on to that second spot. Benny Parsons started that same line that Earnhardt moved to get into second place. Now they both drop down to get a lead on 
Allison, but Allen says, uh, no, you don't, we're going to. So they all went down on the low end in turn number three and four, and here they come with Earnhardt. Richard Petty, who had picked his way back to the front of the field a moment ago, looked like he might get himself unlapped, has now fallen off on the tail end of that lead draft. Mike? Earnhardt is running like he's at Riverside, California on the road roars. He is zigzagging. He came down the front stretch this time right on the apron and broke the draft of everybody but Benny Parsons, who hung right with him. Parsons, though, has his hands full out of turn number two. Bobby Allison looked to get underneath. Parsons came down and closed that door. Allison looks to the inside. Lapped car. Ronnie Thomas in his way as he heads up into turn three. But it's Earnhardt out in front, dropping way low, but Allison is going to do it as Parsons stays up high. Allison is beginning to move side by side with Parsons. Allison is cutting back to the upside. Parsons hangs on for second place, but Allison is inside. Here's Bobby Allison. He's trying to get the number two position. He's alongside of Parsons. Benny's going to use the lapped automobile of 52 of Jimmy Means to squeeze him back in there and hang on to the position. It is Earnhardt in front, and he is driving this afternoon like it's been last year since we've seen him run like he has. I told him yesterday in the garage area, we were talking about the bad luck that the team had had all year and it, that it just had to change. That's what we keep saying every race, and uh, it hadn't yet, but uh, hopefully it will this race. And, uh, we, you know, we've uh, been pretty positive about everything. This car we've got here runs real good. It ran good at Charlotte, and I just feel like, you know, full on we got to win a race, get things back on the winning, winning side. You know, everything's, little things have been happening, uh, things that nobody can help. We just, you know, keep working and put new stuff in, and new stuff's what's been breaking, and, you know, we just... Uh, been having a little bad luck. Maybe maybe it'll all turn around here. Earnhardt just caught it, got caught out of position up in turn number four, and he has lost the lead, Eli Gold. He has. Benny Parsons now with the edge of about two car lanes over Earnhardt. It was interesting, though, when Earnhardt had the lead, at least here in turns one and two, he was running a different line depending on which car was in second place. Again, to emphasize, when Bobby Allison was behind him in second, Earnhardt was running somewhat of a conservative line, staying towards the outside wall, sweeping with the flow of the racetrack, and then taking a middle groove in turn three. Well, now, here comes Earnhardt again, right down at the bottom of the racetrack out of turn number four, almost on the track apron. Joe Rutman tries the same line. Earnhardt gets the lead. Ruttmans gets third spot from Bobby Allison. That drops Labonte back to the fifth position as they shuffle the deck here. 83 laps completed in the Budweiser 400. Back at Texas World Speedway, the Budweiser 400 is 86 laps old. There's 200 laps in the race this afternoon to make up the 400-mile distance. And Dale Earnhardt, Mike Joy and I are just sitting here in the booth talking about he's driving like he did last year. Earnhardt is, is what they consider a loose driver. He likes to drive with the seat of his pants like some of the old pilots did back in the days. He likes the car set up a little bit loose so he can make it do what he wants it to do and kind of manhandle the car. He's doing it this afternoon, and it's paying off for him. He's the only car here at the Speedway this afternoon that has been able to get right down to the bottom of the racetrack in three and four, and that has been the difference in being able to hang into the lead. Parsons can close down on him a little bit in the straightaways, get up there within the car length or two, but as they get into the corners, there's just no way. Now, here's Earnhardt over in turn number three, and he is right down on the apron of the track and as as Ned said a moment ago they even said at the driver's meeting that's the one place you don't want to run but it's getting it done for him right now you have to look twice Barney every time Earnhardt comes through the third turn and gauges speed because he's so low on the racetrack it looks like he wants to jump onto pit road that is not the case it's just the fastest way around for him 
The track at that end is somewhat reminiscent of Dover, where you can run low or run high, whatever works best. Except that here, the distance around the turn, the circumference is so long that the high groove is not nearly as fast as is the bottom. Here's Harry Gant on pit road, the Burt Reynolds and Hal Needham machine. Let's go to Ned Jarrett. This is an unscheduled pit stop. He should have been able to run about 18 to 20 laps more. They're going to the right side, changing tires, of course, filling it up with that Union 76 gas while he's in the pits. Gant was steadily dropping back in the field after leading as the green flag came out after the last caution period. But this is going to cost him. In fact, he's going a lap down right now as the leaders go by. Gant was in the pits for 18 seconds. Harry Gant, who just about everybody in the business of racing fields, has to get into victory lane before too much longer. As you pointed out, Mike, he's been second about, what, the last four or five races off and on, but he just can't seem to get it done to get around and take that checkered flag. In turn one and two, we're watching Ricky Rudd again experiencing handling problems, now to the degree that the leaders are bearing down on him. If it wasn't for the retaining wall, Ricky would be halfway to Austin, Texas, because he really can't keep the car down low on the racetrack in one and two. Gant will drop to 14th position in the running order, one lap behind, as is Richard Petty, with 12 cars remaining on the lead lap here as we come up on the halfway point, and what a move Earnhardt just put on coming out of turn four. He went to the low side to lap Tommy Gale, went between Gale and the apron, and then shot right back up in the high groove. Well, we're going to see some pit stops, I think, coming up. Ned, the last time they pitted and put them back under green was on lap number 52, but this one would be about 10 or 12 laps early. Richard Petty is in the pits. Yes, it is earlier than I thought, Barney. I, uh, before the race, most of them were telling me they could go 45 to 50 laps, but they haven't gone that far, so maybe Gantz wasn't as unscheduled as I thought because Bud Moore and his crew are out there ready to bring Benny Parsons in in the next few laps as Petty he is in the pits, of course, for a regular stop. Good stop for Richard Petty. He gets in and out in about 14 seconds as they change a couple of tires and dump in the Union 76 gasoline, and he comes back down pit road. He is a lap off the pace and has been unable to make it up all afternoon, but he still has a long ways to go and plenty of time to do it. Here is Benny Parsons in the pits. Let's go back to Ned Jarrett. The Fords normally don't get quite as good a gas mileage as do the General Motors product, although we've had two of the General Motors cars come in. They're going to the right side to change the Goodyear tires on Benny Parsons' car, which seems to be working very well here today. They're not uh, doing anything except putting in the gasoline, cleaning the windshield, and changing those tires. One of the best victories in the business. He's down and away at 12 and 9 tenths seconds. I'm a bit surprised, Ned, that they did not make a chassis adjustment on that car. Parsons have been handling so far up at the top of the racetrack, you'd think they'd want to change the suspension and get him working down at the bottom again. No, I think not, Mike. We have to take into consideration that the Ford engine has a different torque range than that of the General Motors. Everybody in, in racing, uh, when you start gearing the cars, know that the General Motors, that you can gear it lower to turn to more RPMs because they will accelerate better off the turns. But the Ford engine, as long as you can keep it wound up, it'll run good. And so that's the reason Parsons is running as high as he is, is to keep that engine wound up. And he's doing a good job for him in that position. Trouble on Terry Labonte's car. He is back in the pits for a second time, and there's problems on the car. Let's go to Ned. The car would not run. He was close to out of gas. They were going under the hood, but now they must have figured they got it figured out whatever the problem was. He was in for 16 seconds when he changed tires. He went out and made one lap, came back in, and uh, lost a lot of valuable time. Joe Rutman's in the pits for his stop, and while we were away on the commercial, both Bobby Allison and Dale Earnhardt came in, and surprisingly, they did make a chassis adjustment on Dale Earnhardt's car. As well as that car was running out there, we would not have thought they would make an adjustment, but they did, so we'll see how it works for them. Uh, maybe he wants to run in the grass, Ned, <laughs> the maybe way he's so. been running so low, they're going to adjust it to where he can run down through the infield. 
But all kidding aside, Earnhardt's car is really flying here this afternoon. And if he doesn't have any problems, he is certainly going to be there for the checkered flag or have a good shot at it before the day is over. We're 95 laps into the 200-lap Budweiser 400 at College Station, Texas at Texas World Speedway. Now, these are the cars that have made their regular scheduled pit stops. Richard Petty has been in. Harry Gant has. Benny Parsons, two stops. For Labonte, they had a problem on that car. Earnhardt has been on pit road. So has Bobby Allison and Joe Rutman. So just about all the front runners have been in, and it looks like Dave Marcus is in. Let's go back to the pits and then. Dave Marcus and Jody Ridley in the Sunday. King Ford Honda Trucksmore car is in and during Benny Parsons pit stop they're pitting right next to Junior Donlevy and his crew. They uh, made such a quick stop on Benny Parsons car. I'm not sure they got the second can of gas in that car. It was so fast and the fellow who was gassing he was running down pit road as Benny was leaving and as he pulled the can out of the, the tank then it threw around and threw gas in the eyes of one of Junior Donlevy's crew. So they've taken him to the track hospital here to get that washed out, although he was running through the hospital under his own power. I'm sure it was just a very uncomfortable situation for him, and we know him as fluff around the pit area, so the folks listening in in Richmond will know who we're talking about, but he, he'll be okay just going to get that gas washed out of his eyes. Well, after a rash of pit activity among the front runners, this is the way they're showing right now as... In the lead should be number 33, and that is Harry Gant. He was the first driver to pit on lap number 89. Another what? of the top runners, Joe Ruckman, is back in for a second pit stop. He was in just two laps ago. Booby Herring and the crew changed the right side tires, filled them up with gas in a very good pit stop, but he's back now getting the left side tires changed. So an unfortunate break here for Joe Ruckman, who was running so well here this afternoon. This rash of pit stops under the green. I think there are a lot of folks out here that are suffering from the heat this afternoon. Besides us, there was one top team that had eight men over the pit wall servicing their car. And not to say who, but nevertheless, it did not result in any faster a pit stop than the teams that had five. So for whatever the reason, James Hilton is on pit road right now. Jimmy Means just coming off the pit road as everyone is making their scheduled pit stops under the green flag. We've had only two cautions here in the Budweiser 400. On the 34th lap, Kyle Petty blew an engine and spun down at turn number one, got the car stuck down in the mud as Eli Gold attested to, and it took them a while to drag that out. Then on the 44th lap, the second lap of green after the Petty incident, Rick Newsom spun up in turn number three, had blown an engine and hit the wall. Those are the only two cautions of the afternoon as we are just three laps from halfway in this 400-miler at Texas that begins a three-week straight stint on the Winston Cup circuit. Next Sunday, we go to Riverside, California for the Warner Hodgson 400. And then two weeks from now, the Gabriel 400 at Michigan. Then July 4th, it's back to the birthplace of speed in Daytona Beach where we'll run the Firecracker 400 Saturday morning on the 4th of July. In July, on the 11th, it's the Bush Nashville 420 at Nashville, Tennessee, and the Mountain Dew 500 at Pocono, Pennsylvania on the 26th. August on the Wista Cup circuit, you'll see the Talladega 500 at the world's fastest speedway in Alabama on August 2nd, the 16th, the Champion Spark Plug 400 at, Brist at Brooklyn, Michigan, and August 22nd, the Bush Volunteer 500 at Bristol, Tennessee. As we mentioned, many of the ticket offices around the country are open today, and they'll all be open tomorrow to reserve your seat for the most competitive auto racing in the world. Barney Hall coming up on the halfway side. Well, as we approach the halfway mark, 99 laps are complete. They're now indicating that Lake Speed, uh, who I don't think has been on pit road, should be the leader. He just came in, Barney, and made a 22 and 4 tenths second pit stop, but he had taken the lead for several laps there. Benny Parsons should be the leader now. So Benny Parsons has now inherited the lead, and we have just reached the halfway mark as Harold Kinder displays the cross flags to leader Benny Parsons here at the Texas World Speedway. 
an awful lot of folks have been very concerned about Donnie Allison's condition since that severe crash up at Charlotte Motor Speedway a couple of weeks ago. I had a chance to, to talk with his brother Bobby yesterday, and he said that Donnie would be listening today in, a, in his hometown out in Hueytown, Alabama, to our broadcast, and we'd certainly like to say hello and wish him a speedy recovery, and we really miss him on the Winston Cup Tour. And I asked Bobby, I know that millions of race fans are concerned about his condition and his progress, and I asked Bobby how he's coming along. Well, I'd say uh, very good, really. Uh, he was badly hurt, worse than we thought, really. And uh, by the time uh, Monday rolled around after Charlotte, we realized that, that he really was hurt bad. Uh, you know, then, then it was an idea of checking with the doctors and see what it would take to get him uh, recuperated and back in good shape. And they, they assure me and Patty and the whole family that, that he is recovering quite well. And uh, he has showed uh, very good improvement in the last few days. It's the voice of Bobby Allison talking about Donnie, who is recovering back at home in Hueytown, Alabama, and we hope to see him back on the Winston Cup Tour soon. He is one of the toughest drivers in the business and one of the best. We are 101 laps into the Budweiser 400 at College Station, Texas. Benny Parsons is leading. Dale Earnhardt is riding second, and they're now indicating that Bobby Allison has taken over the third position. From Texas World Speedway, this is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. Texas World Speedway. Let's take you a little ways back in the field as we have it unofficially from scoring right now. Benny Parsons is definitely the leader. Earnhardt maintaining the second spot. Bobby Allison has worked his way back to third after having a few unscheduled pit stops here this afternoon. The crew has had an awful lot of problems, but still they've managed to hang up there in the top five, have not gone a lap down. In fourth place, Joe Rutman with a good run for the Upland, California driver this afternoon. Fifth is Ricky Rudd, riding in sixth should be Richard Childress. Seventh is Tim Richmond in the Uno car. He's having a good day here also. And riding in seventh position will be Harry Gant. Jody Ridley is showing in the eighth place, and ninth right now should be Lake Speed. One lap behind and right behind leader Benny Parsons is Terry Labonte. That second pit stop put Labonte a lap down. Behind Labonte would be Dave Marcus and then Richard Petty. All three of those drivers posted as one lap behind. Well, if you're wondering what happened to Darrell Waltrip and the Mountain Dew crew this afternoon, apparently they broke a cylinder wall or broke something in the engine and have retired for the day and are out of competition. Waltrip going out this afternoon on lap number 38. He didn't complete too many here today. And, and Barney, as you're talking, Bobby Walwack has pulled his car number 94 into the garage area out of the race. Give me the other cars that are out of action. Rick Newsom hit the wall on lap 44. He is out. Kyle Petty blew an engine to bring out the first caution on lap 34 and is out of the race for the day. Morgan Shepard hit the wall in practice yesterday in the car. Took a couple of laps this afternoon, but was damaged too badly to continue. So Shepard is out. Likewise, D.K. Ulrich, Kirk Shelmerdine, and Baxter Price all suffering mechanical problems and all out of the race. Well, the field is stabilized after that last round of pit stops here. It's going to take a while for Earnhardt to reel in the leader as he is just about seven or eight car lengths back. Terry Labonte is trying to unlap himself. He lost a lap after those two pit stops just a moment ago here at Texas World Speedway. The heat continues to really beat down on Eli Gold. If it's anywhere near as hot out there as it is in our booth here, I feel for you. Well, I just turned over and based it myself the other side, so... Uh... We're hanging in there. We're watching the activity here this afternoon. Dale Earnhardt, uh, chassis adjustment or not, has still been able to chop away at the real estate. And right now, hounds nose to tail with Benny Parsons. Those two cars 
sweeping by us here in turn number one. They go to the high side, does Benny. To the low side goes Dale Earnhardt. Now midway between turns one and two, a bit for the lead. Dick May in the 75 automobile is there. Earnhardt has to tuck it again behind Benny Parsons. But again, Earnhardt working well. Benny has a car length of an edge on Earnhardt, who is in second. They head midway down the back chute there to turn three. And coming into turn three, it is still Benny Parsons, but Benny Parsons is going low. Earnhardt tries to go down on the apron. They're way down low as they're side by side, but Parsons hangs on to the lead as they come out of turn four. Benny Parsons figured out the Earnhardt maneuver that time. He just backed out of the throttle and slowed up enough that he could ease down to the bottom of the racetrack and chop Earnhardt off. And for the moment, Dale has to settle for second position. Taking a quick moment to step into our booth, the team manager for R.J. Reynolds and the Winston Racing Program is Dan Henley. And, Dan, this is quite a sight here this afternoon. Yes, Barney, you're certainly right. This is really exciting. This is one of the better races I've seen this year. I'm... Well, as they scoot off turn number two, here's Earnhardt pulling door to door, goes after the lead as they hit turn three. Turn three, it is Earnhardt. Now it is Parsons. Slow traffic. Parsons goes high. Earnhardt is dropping low, and it's still Parsons and Earnhardt. Now it's side by side. Earnhardt down low. Earnhardt comes out, but Parsons is the leader. Earnhardt had to go all the way to the bottom of the racetrack, but in doing so, he got so close to the grass, he had to come out of the throttle a bit, even though Benny Parsons took the long way around the racetrack. He came out of the corner ahead, and again, he planks his lead as about three or four car lengths. Dan, the Winston Cup points this year has been very close for a while. It started out, looked like there were going to be four or five drivers running right along up with about no more than 10 or 20 points difference. But Bobby Allison has just had finishes that are unreal for the last 13 or 14 races. That's right, Barney. He's certainly been lucky this year. And, of course, he's got a little skill to go along with it, no doubt about that. But he's not 193 points ahead of Ricky Rudd, who is in second. Then Darrell Waldrop third and Harry Gant running fourth. Well, we wanted to chat with you a moment because uh, I think you came over from drag racing in the Winston program there, and I think you like this business a little bit better, right? Hey, this is really super. It's a great deal. Barney Hall, if we could just jump in for a quick moment. Joe Rutman was slowing as he came off turn number two moments ago. He was running awfully well, but he was slowing noticeably off the turn. Here is Rutman down on the apron of the track and coming on to pit road, and there is trouble on Joe Rutman's car. After a good, strong run this afternoon, it will indeed be sad if he has to take that car to the garage area and take it out of competition. He's bringing it on down pit road. The right front tire is flat on that car as he brings it in here. So this is the second unscheduled pit stop since his schedule around here not too long ago. They were a little bit confused when he came into the pits not knowing exactly what was wrong. They had the wrong air gun over there, and finally the jackman gets over, so it's going to cost Joe a lot of extra time here as they change Meanwhile, that flat right front tire. Meanwhile, Earnhardt has the lead over Parsons. Has just gone by, so Earnhardt is your leader. Dale Earnhardt, after really working for it, finally emerges out of turn number four ahead of Benny Parsons. Earnhardt is now out front. Parsons rides in the second spot. Still in third position is Bobby Allison. They're now posting Richard Childress as being the fourth-place car. Dan, thanks a lot for taking a moment to stop by out of your busy schedule to chat with us, and we're delighted to have you here in Texas. Okay, thank you very much, Barney. Stan Henley, who's the new team manager for the R.J. Reynolds Tobacco Company and the Winston Racing Program. Here is Rutman off pit road and going back onto the track. And, Ned, that is too bad after a real good run here this afternoon. He's got a lot of ground to make up now to have a top five finish. Yes, he does, Barney. And Dave Marcus is in for an unscheduled pit stop in the Norton car number 71. He's in for a change of left side tires. We've had several cars to come in for a change of left side tires, so apparently they are wearing those left side tires as much as they are the right side here today, which is unusual. The fact that so many of them are running that low on the racetrack would contribute to that uh, 
where they're getting on the left side. Here's uh, Junie Donlevy's car number 90 with Jody Ridley back in. It's not been too long since he was in, but he's changing right side. And I'll tell you, I'm going to speculate a little bit, Barney, and say as low as Earnhardt and a couple of the other cars are running up here in three and four that they're kicking gravel out on the racetrack that maybe is cutting some of the tires. Well, I would definitely say Earnhardt is because he has just been a whisker away from running in the grass. That is how low he's taken the car this afternoon, but it has been the difference in being able to hang on to the lead. Trouble for Joe Rutman. He's back on pit road. Ned Jarrett is headed down there to find out just what the problem is. Rutman comes, and the crew was not expecting him. They run over the wall and confer with the California driver, the USAC stock car champion. And it is, whatever it is, does not seem to be repairable. They are coming around to the right side of the car now, and they are going to change tires once again on the right side of the machine. Ned Jarrett working his way into Joe Rutman's pit. Ned? Well, certainly there is confusion here right now, Mike Joy. As you mentioned, they've gone back and they're changing that same uh, right front tire. And now the man on the right rear has that tire off as Booby Harrington has gone in to talk to Joe Rett Rutman. And the right rear tire was flapped this time as it came in. So a very unusual set of circumstances here for Joe Rutman, who's been running so well. Now they have the car serviced, and he's about ready to go finally. He, uh, nope. Now he's rolling. Okay, finally he gets away. What a tough break for Joe Rutman. He's never been out of the top ten all afternoon and has been in the top five off and on most of the day. 115 laps are complete of the 200 that make up the Budweiser 400 here at College Station, Texas. The heat continues to beat down on the drivers and the crews and the spectators, and it looks to be a record crowd out for a race here at Texas World Speedway. And it is a partisan crowd pulling for young Terry Labonte, who put his car, the Stratograph machine, on the pole, and they had hoped to watch him roll into victory lane. He has lost a lap, and he's trying to get himself back in the lap of the leaders. Earnhardt is in front. Parsons rides second. Bobby Allison is third. Richard Childress is in fourth position. From Texas World Speedway, this is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. Back at Texas World Speedway, a tough break for Randy Ogden in the Piedmont Airlines machine as Ogden is coasting around turn four in front of Woody Carson's position. He comes in now and head for pit row. We'll have to wait and see what the problem would be. Heading back into turn number one, Earnhardt has covered up for a moment with Terry Labonte, who had unlapped himself just as we cut away on that commercial break. But now Earnhardt comes flashing back by to put him down a lap again. And Benny Parsons was swarming all over Earnhardt as Labonte sandwiched in there trying to unlap himself. They head back into turn number three, Earnhardt riding in front, Parsons hanging on to second spot, and they put quite a bit of distance now between themselves and Bobby Allison, who is about seven or eight seconds behind. Earnhardt continues to take that low line through three and four, and he's sticking it right to the bottom of the racetrack down in turns one and two. But it is an unusual line that we have seen here this afternoon with a Wrangler driver, Dale Earnhardt. But it is characteristic, Barney, of Earnhardt's style, especially last year when he won the Winston Cup title. Just find a comfortable place to run, and who cares if anybody else likes that groove or not. And for Earnhardt today, it's been right on the bottom. Joe Rutman tries to catch a draft off the defending Winston Cup champ out of turn number two, and it is just unbelievable how low, Barney, he's able to put that race car and keep it at both ends of the speedway. Well, his young crew is so talented. They learn so much, and of course, with Dale Inman being added to the crew, he is one of the best chassis men in the business, being able to make a car work and get around the racetrack. And he has tried so hard, the whole team, to turn it around, to get things going for them. In fact, we talked with Dale yesterday about his bad luck this year, and despite all the bad luck, he kind of keeps a cheerful attitude and seems to think he can still get it done. He still hangs in there every race. You no, know, I've got to win again sometime, and uh, you know we we've got a good team, and we finally got a good sponsor this year, Wrangler Jeans, and. and 
everything's just working real good uh, for the team other than we just haven't won yet. And, and it's got to happen. We, we, uh, we're ready for it, and uh, we worked hard enough to earn it, and, you know, it's, it's going to happen. Let's take you back through the field at 100 laps. That was about 19 laps ago, but give you an idea of how all of the competitors are running. At the halfway point, Benny Parsons was the leader. Dale Earnhardt was in second. Bobby Allison third. Fourth was Richard Childress, who's having an exceptionally fine afternoon this afternoon, picking up sponsorship today from Texas Steel Haulers for his Pontiac. In fifth was Harry Gant. Sixth, Terry Levani. And seventh was Lake Speed. All those cars on the lead lap. Dave Marcus had fallen one lap behind in eighth. Ninth was Jody Ridley. Tenth, Richard Petty. Eleventh was Ricky Rudd. Twelfth to Joe Rutman. In the thirteenth position was Tim Richmond. In the 14th spot, three laps behind was Randy Ogden, who has right now just come off of pit road. In 15th, four laps down is H.B. Bailey. 16th to Richard Childress. 17th is Tommy, or 17th rather, 16th is James Hilton. 17th is Tommy Gale. Five laps down, 18th is J.D. McDuffie, and 19th is Buddy Arrington. Six laps behind, the 20th position is Cecil Gordon. In the 21st spot is Lowell Cowell. 22nd is Dick May. Seven laps down. In the 28th position is Rick Baldwin from Texas, and 29th, rather, 24th would be Jimmy Means, would be the last car running. Mike in turn one, a good bit of smoke from behind James Hilton, the Palatine Automotive entry, now smoking rather heavily as he goes up the banking of turn number one. He has the car under control. Hilton putting out a lot of smoke, drops the car right down to the apron of the track. We do not see a caution flag on the speedway. And also smoke coming from Jimmy Means, car number 52. He was given the black flag as he passed by you, Barney, just uh, this lap. Uh, they'll, he'll be coming in, and the NASCAR officials observing that the smoke coming from his car. Well, that would be two cars if they put him in the garage area that Jimmy has lost here this afternoon. He has two cars that he brought to the West Coast. Baxter Price started the number 50, and it is already retired, so it'd be a bad day for him here in Texas. Benny Parsons is just eating Dale Earl. Earnhardt alive, trying to get the lead as they cross the start-finish line and head back into turn one. It's a lot of traffic because Childress is there, so too Rutman, likewise Harry Gant. Now this time, as Earnhardt goes high, Benny goes down low. Earnhardt went uncharacteristically high in turn two. Open the door for Benny Parsons, who works well downstairs. Parsons, your leader, Earnhardt is second now, and moving also is Rutman. He's there watching. Heading up into turn number three, Earnhardt may be setting up Parsons to see what he can do with him over in three and four. He's got the low groove, but he got out of shape going into turn number two, and it cost him the lead. Here's Dale right down to the bottom of the racetrack up at Woody Carson's position. And they're side by side as they're coming out, but it's Parsons holding on to the lead with Earnhardt running second. Labonte setting a third. Trouble out of turn number one. Ricky Rudd, car number 88, now smoking severely as he takes it low on the racetrack. The rest of the field, including the leaders, go by him to the high side as caution is displayed. This is the third caution flag of the afternoon. Now they'll race back to the start-finish line. Parsons is in the lead. Labonte trying to unlap himself, and Earnhardt trying to grab onto the lead as they head down the back chute. It is still door-to-door for Terry Labonte and Benny Parsons as Terry is trying to get back on the lead lap. They head to turn three. And Harry Gant's got to go because they'll almost overhaul Gant and put him a lap down. They're up in front of Woody Carson racing for the flag. Yes, they are, and here they come, and it's Benny Parsons. Earnhardt is back in second place. Labonte is coming down. Labonte is not going to make it. Coming and down to the line, Terry Labonte dives right between Benny Parsons and Harry Gant, and he gets his lap back. By about six or eight inches, Barney, I was looking straight across as you were at the start-finish line, and he just barely made it. He used the draft both of Gant and... Uh, Benny Parsons to squeeze in between them, and Gant managed to stay out there also. He was just about to go a lap down. As there came off a of turn four that time, there was no room, and then suddenly it opened up. 
and Labonte made the move. The Texas fans love it. They all come to their feet, were cheering when the caution came out, hoping Labonte could get himself back in the lead lap and have a chance to win here in his home state this afternoon. He has unlapped himself and is back on the lap with the leaders. 124 laps are complete, and this is the third caution flag of the day in the Budweiser 400. From Texas World Speed... Well, it's a drag race off pit road between Harry Gant and Dale Earnhardt as they scoot back onto the racetrack after a round of pit stops. Richard Petty pits the STP Buick. He's going back out on the speedway as they are all pitting under this third caution flag of the afternoon on a hot and humid afternoon at Texas World Speedway. The caution coming out again in case you just joined our broadcast on lap 124 when Ricky Rudd lost an engine here in the front straightaway on the Die Guard and Gatorade car, and he really put oil all the way down the front stretch. But the big move of the race has just been made by young Terry Labonte, who started on the pole here this afternoon. He sandwiched himself in between Vinny Parsons and Harry Gant, drafted off both the cars, and as Ned Jarrett told you, he came across the start-finish line about eight or nine inches ahead of the leader, Earnhardt at that time, and Parsons to scoot himself back in the lead lap, and he's determined to win this race. Well, they call Labonte the Iceman, and it was a particularly cool move that he made getting around and coming back to the start-finish line at the expense of Harry Gant as Gant ended up a lap down as they came back to the flag. Ned Jarrett is down on pit road with a wireless microphone. Ned, on his We're way. We're in the garage area here as Ricky Rudd has just uh, rolled the Gatorade car number 88 in here with water all coming from under that car. Ricky, did the engine let go? Yeah, Ned, it was uh, on the front stretch. Uh, something broke in the bottom end. I don't know if a rod or, or a crankshaft, something broke. The car really wasn't working as well for you today as you have been in previous races. Well, this is the first time uh, we've had this car on a, on, a, on a handling racetrack. We usually run this car at Daytona and Talladega. It's the only tracks it's been to, and it's, it's really created a lot of problems for us here this week. We never did get the handle on it and started the race the same way. It just gives us problems all day. Ricky, you're soaking wet. It's awfully hot out there. Well, I think it's hotter in this garage area than it is in the cars. You didn't feel it that much out there then, huh? No, I didn't really notice the heat that bad. Well, Ricky has had to park it here for today, so he'll be heading on to California for next week. Ned, while you have him there, you might ask him a bit about the condition of, of how they're getting so low over in turns three and four when they, that is not supposed to be the place to run here this afternoon. Ricky, we've noticed that Dale Earnhardt in particular and several other cars are running extremely low in turns three and four over there. How is he able to do that? Well, evidently, they've been able to get their cars tight. The uh, only way to be able to run down low, you've got to have a push in a car. And uh, that's something we tried to get into car all week. We're not, we were not able to do that. But uh, I can tell they're pushing by, you know, the smoke in the right front tire running on the bottom of the racetrack. And you know, definitely that's the quickest way around if you can get down there and race. Ricky, we had several cars, uh, Joe Rutman in particular, that came in with cut tires, and they were running over something on the racetrack. Is maybe Earnhardt kicking up some gravel from down there? Well, I think, you know, that, that could possibly be it. A lot of trash down low. I know uh, my, my windshield's got rock pits all over it, uh, like someone shot it with a shotgun blast. But I really didn't notice any trash. You don't see anything blowing around, so maybe that's what it is. Maybe they're kicking up some stuff up in the, in the higher grooves where everybody's running. Of course, that's not Ricky Rudd's problem here today. We'll be going back to racing in a moment. We'll remind you, if you take out a pencil and paper, how you can win a Daytona 500 Dream Vacation and the goodies, rates for the money, sweepstakes. You could be the grand prize winner and be going to Daytona with two reserve seat tickets to the Daytona Sportsman 300 and Daytona 500, an escorted tour of the NASCAR garage area. Lodging for two for two nights at the Kings Inn Daytona in Daytona Beach, racing's Daytona headquarters, and $500 spending money from goodies. Or you could be one of our racing holiday of the month winners and receive two tickets to a selected NASCAR Winston Cup race, plus $250 cash. 
To enter, all you need to do is send your name, address, and telephone number, and the front panel for any size package of Goody's Headache Powder, or the name Goody's Headache Powders in plain block letters on a 3x5 piece of paper. Send to Goody's Race for the Money, Post Office Box 500, Daytona Beach, Florida, zip code 32015. On our Gabriel 400 broadcast, we'll announce the next Racing Holiday of the Month winner. All winners will be notified by mail and announced on the air over MRN. Enter as often as you like. If you're 18 or over, you're eligible to enter. Your odds of winning depend on the number of entries received. If you're an employee or family of goodies, International Speedway Corporation, or this radio station, you're not eligible to enter. Otherwise, enter as often as you like. No purchase is required. Once again, that address is goodies, race for the money, sweepstakes, post office box 500, Daytona Beach, Florida. Zip code is 32015. Enter often, enter today. Just about to go back to racing. Let's take this break. 128 laps completed here at Texas World Speedway in the mud. Back at Texas World Speedway, we are back under green on lap 129, and they come up to full bore. Benny Parsons gets the jump on the field in that melling tool Ford of Bud Moore, and he is pulling Earnhardt now by some seven or eight car lengths, but Dale begins to reel him in a little bit in turn one. Dale tries to cut it down to four car lanes. Bobby Adelson is back by eight car lanes. He is running third and going fourth at this juncture is Terry Labonte again back on the lead lap. Off turn number two now. Your leader is Benny Parsons by a car length over Dale Earnhardt. He closes, then back 12 car lanes to Bobby. Bobby Adelson and Labonte, they'll mix it up now for third, also a challenge for the lead. And Earnhardt makes a move on the inside. Earnhardt has taken the lead from Benny Parsons as he comes low in that groove through turn three and four. It is Earnhardt and Parsons now as they come down for the straightaway. Dale Earnhardt again takes that low run and scoots back into the lead. Benny Parsons drops back to second spot. Allison is back to third. Let's go to the garage and Ed Jarrett. One of the cars that dropped out there just a moment ago as Ricky Rudd blew an engine with James Hilton and did the same thing happen to you, James? Yeah, I lost the valve, thank Ned. It was running pretty good and just quit all once. James, that's a terrific pace they're setting out there this afternoon. Well, the track uh, for the shape is in. I don't see how the wheels are staying on, but they are. I guess, I guess uh, stock car racer ain't got enough sense to, you know, to slow down, just run wide open. Whoa, there's trouble in turn number three. Lake Speed is out of control, goes on the grass, skids up through the infield area, then comes back onto the racetrack, and caution is on the speedway. Another car also involved. Let's go up to Woody Carson. Okay, it was Lake Speed all the way down through water. He came back up the top of the groove. He turned around. He is going in the right direction. He's heading down toward Pit Row. Two other cars came through the water, and uh, they're sitting in rest in the grass somewhere off of it. We could not identify them from this location as they were too low on the track in behind campers in the infield area. But Lake Speed is okay. He's coming in now, and uh, apparently a couple of cars got locked up back on the back straightaway. Here is Lake Speed on pit road, and there's quite a bit of sheet metal damage on the right side of the car. The other car, the blue one that skittered up on the racetrack, also appeared to be number 71, Dave Marcus. And there may have been a third car involved in that. We're checking with the NASCAR officials now as water went flying everywhere when they scooted off on the grass heading up into turn number three. This is the fourth caution flag of the day coming out on lap number 132 when Lake Speed went off the racetrack going into turn number three. Mike Joy. Believe the third car involved and it's bad news for the home state fans. It looked to be Terry Labonte's car that is parked at the infield grass at turn three facing our position. The car went through a mudslide of about 200 feet before finally coming to rest and it is pointed facing off the racetrack down at the inside of turn number three. 
We'll report further just as soon as we can verify that with NASCAR. We're checking, looking around the field as the field is strung out single file all the way around the racetrack. And by process of elimination, we're looking to see if we see Labonte's car anywhere on this two-mile racetrack. And thus far, we do not. So apparently, that is going to be the machine that is in trouble. And what a bad break for this young driver from Corpus Christi. After unlapping himself, after running his heart out here this afternoon, hoping to have a shot to win the Budweiser 400. Lap 132 is on the board of the 200 that make up the Budweiser 400 here at College Station. From Texas World Speedway, this is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. Back at Texas World Speedway, a lengthy caution flag being brought out for the fourth time this afternoon over at turn number three when Lake Speed went off the track hit the dirt, slid about 800 feet, came back onto the racetrack. Dave Marcus and Terry Labonte also involved in that altercation over there, and it's going to cost Labonte any chance he had of winning here this afternoon. Let's go back to the pits and Ned Jarrett. Well, Barney, just as we're about to go away on the commercial, I learned in Bobby Allison's pit that the ho rear hood hinges had broken on his car, and what they have done is taped the rear of the hood down to the fenders. Right now, we're in Lake speeds pits they're about to bring him back in for a change of windshields they are indeed going to change the windshield on lake speeds car and try to get him back in the running so the speculation that we made that there was a lot of pitting of windshields here this afternoon some of those windshields are cracking and they're having to replace them as ned jarrett makes his way back up pit road if he can get up to terry labonte's pits we might find out what the condition of his car is and that if he will indeed be able to get back in most of the crew is still in there so we're not really sure how it, how serious the damage is to the car apparently whatever it is the wrecker is at the scene over in turn number three down on the apron of the track and they're trying to get his machine back to the pits well, Barney, as i walk down pit road now lake speed did come in and he did not have a windshield in the car at all so all they got to do is just put one in they don't have to take the old one out well, I think, the, I think that spin up in turn three did a pretty good job of removing that. 130-lap rundown showed Earnhardt as the leader, Benny Parsons in second, and Bobby Allison third. That's just the way they were running right now. Terry Labonte was the fourth-place car when he crashed in that incident in turn number three. One lap down, Lake Speed, Harry Gannett, Richard Petty. Two laps behind, Richard Childress, Jody Ridley, and Dave Marcus would now be the tenth-place car with Labonte slipping a couple of laps down as a result of the altercation at turn number three. Go back Mike to Ned Jarrett. I'm in the pits, in Terry Labonte's pits with his, Bob, with his dad, Bob. Bob, have you had any word from Terry by radio? No, we hadn't heard a word. So you don't know what his uh, condition of the car is or anything? No, Dale Earnhardt said it was pretty bad. He said it tore it up pretty bad. Well, that's the report from Terry Labonte's dad, Bob, who is one of their pit crew members. Harry Gant is in the pits right now with the hood up on his car. They're adding some oil to it, I believe. No, they're not. They're setting the timing on the car. We've seen some very unusual things happen here this afternoon or some things happen in the pits that we normally don't see, but he's taking advantage of this caution period to set the timing on the car. It is definitely not running up to par. Well, Ned, you can tell Bob Labonte that they've just hooked put the hook onto Terry's car and the damage to the left front of the Billy Hagen Stratigraph machine is fairly extensive on car number 44. They're just now bringing it up on turn number three. 
and around and back toward the garage area. Well, that puts a sinking feeling in your stomach for a youngster like Terry, who has drove his heart out here this afternoon after starting on the pole and really running extremely hard all day to stay up in that lead lap. He got down a lap, made it up a moment ago when the caution came back out, and then to get involved in an accident that is no fault of his own, apparently going down the back straightaway. When Lake Speed had some trouble going into the corner, it has now put him out of competition. I talked with Terry yesterday, right after he won the pole. He really liked his chances of winning here at Texas this weekend. Yeah, I really do. Uh, I'd say this is probably our best, our best shot of the year right here, you know, just looking at our past record and how we've done here in the past. But it is all over for young Terry Labonte. He'll have to wait for another day to win on his home track here at College Station. 136 laps complete of the 200 that make up the Budweiser 400 here on a hot June afternoon at Texas World Speedway. And the attrition rate is eliminating quite a few drivers as we still have quite a ways to go, some 64 laps remaining. 12 of the 34 original starters are now out of the race. And to give you a quick rundown, Terry Labonte's car is just now being towed back to the pit and garage area. There's damage to the left front and the left rear of Billy Hagen's Stratigraph Buick, and the entire front end is pretty well crunched in, and that will take him out of contention. Ned's right in front of the car. Yes, Mike, and the right side is really banged up worse than the left side. He got into a mound of dirt on the uh, backstretch over there where that spin was, and every corner of that automobile is banged up. Terry is still sitting in the car with a very disgusted look on his face. We're making our way into the garage area to have a word with him. Well, so you could hear the Texas fans, Mike, as they towed the car through the pit wall and take him out of competition, giving him quite a cheer here this afternoon after one of the strongest runs we've seen him post in a long time. Well, Labonte will be credited with 23rd finishing position after sitting on the pole and running up well up among the leaders all day. Ricky Rudd went out with a blown engine, as did James Hilton. Bobby Walwack's cars in the garage area, along with that of Roger Hamby. The number 20 car of Rick Newsom hit the wall in turn number three. He's out. Darrell Waltrip has cracked a cylinder head. Kyle Petty has lost an engine. Frame damage in a practice crash yesterday has sidelined Morgan Shepard's machine. And also out of the race are the cars of D.K. Ulrich, Kirk Shelmerdine, and Baxter Price. All three of those cars going out within the first ten laps of this Budweiser NASCAR 400. Here's Lake Speed's car coming by and the damage to the passenger door and the right rear fender. It's just cosmetic. It was enough uh, to make him have to come into the pits and make some repairs to move that sheet metal and they replaced the windshield as Ned Jarrett explained. Tim Richmond getting right side tires on the Uno Oldsmobile. Dennis Connor and the crew administering to Richmond and he is down off the Jackson away and it's a long lengthy pit stop for Harry Gant with the hood up on the Reynolds and Needham Pontiac, car number 33. It's unusual because this team has had good, consistent finishes all year long with Travis Carter as the crew chief, and of course they get their engines from Junior Johnson's racing team up in Ronda, North Carolina, and they've had a very strong engine and have been in contention to win. They finished second on numerous occasions, and it's just the big question on everyone's mind is how much longer before they can win a race. Barney. Race into spring. Auto racing fans, how would you like a fabulous five-day racing vacation at next year's Indy 500 or Daytona 500? Those are just two of hundreds of great prizes in STP's Race into Spring sweepstakes. It's easy to enter. See your participating STP dealer for all the details and your entry blank. It'll get you up to $4 in rebates on STP products and could get you the prize of a lifetime. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. The Cattle Drive. It's a job with the worst possible conditions done by the best possible men who always seem to get it done and done right. Here then is a bush beer to the best of the West, the best there is. Bush.
Head for the beer that goes down smooth as a mountain stream, Bush. Brewed the natural way, so it's always as smooth as its name. Bush. Head for Bush beer. Anheuser-Busch, St. Louis, Missouri. We're ready to go back to green racing here at College Station, Texas. Harold Kinder waves the green flag, and Benny Parsons comes really up through the gearbox in a hurry and jumps out in the lead, takes him down into turn number one. Earnhardt rides in second spot. Quickly, let's go to the garage and Ed Jarrett. We're standing by with Terry Labonte, who's here looking over his mangled number 44 car. Terry, what happened? What caused the accident? Oh, I was laughing a slower car down the back straightaway, and, and, you know, half of them don't move down for you, so you got to pass them on the inside, and I, I went by him on the inside, and I started moving back up against the wall, and I guess, you know, you know, naturally when you do that, they just want to race with you anyway, and he clipped me in the quarter panel. You know, I might have moved up a little bit too soon, but, uh, you know, he could have he eased off and let me in. So anyway, it caused you to spin. This has to be one of the most disappointing days of your career. It really is. You know, the car was really working good. And, uh, you know, I can't, I can't say no... I can't say anything... You know, uh, the car was really working good, and I really thought we had a shot at winning it, but uh, you know, it's the way it goes. Well, you had made an awfully cool move getting back in the same lap with the leader. Sorry to see you out of it here today. You can hear the heartbreak in Terry Labonte's voice because he really felt like he had a shot to win with Jake Elder working on the crew with them here. And Jake will also go to Riverside, California and be the crew chief on the car out there. So maybe next week they can put it together for the Warner Hodgson 400 at Riverside. We are up to racing speed again under green after a lengthy caution flag. 140 laps complete, 60 laps to go. And the Budweiser 400, here comes the front pack. It is Earnhardt riding out front. Parsons goes after him for the lead down in turn number one. Benny works for the inside of Earnhardt. Benny has worked well down there. He stays glued low. Earnhardt goes to the high side, and Benny has the lead. So, Benny Parsons, using the Earnhardt tactic, goes low, takes the lead. Earnhardt now in second. Bobby Allison is right there, knows the tail in third. Then comes the Richard Petty automobile, still a lap down. Midway down the back straightaway, equidistant between cars one, two, and three. Parsons, Earnhardt, and Allison. And it's now Earnhardt trying to make a move on Parsons, but Parsons is going down low on the apron to stay out in front. As Parsons keeps Earnhardt behind him and Allison moving there. Also, Petty trying to get out of it. Here they come. Front three ride nose to tail, just about a car length apart with 141 laps complete in the Budweiser 400 here at College Station. From Texas World Speedway, this is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. This might be the first day that one guy gets both the goodies and the peak award. Okay, when you come back, Harry, I'll be, well, let me stop here at Gantz Pit, so don't turn me down yet. Dale Earnhardt and Benny Parsons and Bobby Allison bringing this crowd to their feet lap after lap as they're dicing for the lead in the Budweiser 400, but it is Earnhardt still riding the low groove in three and four and keeping everybody back in second, third, fourth, and right on back through the field. Here's Dale back to the line. The Wrangler machine is in front. Riding second is Benny Parsons. Third is Bobby Allison. Richard Petty is being indicated as the fourth-place car. Let's go to the pits and Ned Jarrett. We're standing by with Travis Carter, who is the crew chief on Harry Gantz, Gold Bandit. What's the problem with it, Travis? Apparently, some, we had some malfunction with the distributor about midway, and it just got worse and worse, and we finally had to stop and change it. You think it's okay now? It's, it looks to be running okay. But he's lost a lot of time, so Harry Gant out there trying to make up some of that lost time. Down into turn number three, Dale Earnhardt leads what has become a fierce battle for the lead. They are racing in earnest. Earnhardt in the Pontiac. 
the Ford Thunderbird of Betty Parsons and the Buick of Bobby Allison are three cars tied together. Like a short express train coming off of turn number four, back to the start-finish line, single file. There is not two feet separating all of the three of them. Bobby looks to the inside. Allison, that is, entering turn number three. Cutting low again is going to be Earnhardt. But here's the battle for second place. Allison is downstairs. Benny Parsons going high. Allison steps on the button, takes the Hardy special to second spot. Off turn number two, they go dicing towards the outside retaining wall. Midway down the back straightaway, Earnhardt, Allison, Benny Parsons, they're all nose to tail to turn three. But Allison trying to get low before Earnhardt does is shut off by Earnhardt as Earnhardt holds onto the lead down low on turn number three. Uh, Parsons now makes a move inside on, on Allison, but let's see, it's Earnhardt and Allison and Parsons. As they come back to the line, Dale Earnhardt leads them down to the stripe. He put a cool move on Bobby going into turn number three. Bobby was had the position on him going into the corner. He cracked the throttle, made Bobby come out of it also. Allison goes after the lead in one and looks like he's going to get it. He'll work downstairs, kicked Earnhardt to the high side. Benny Parsons also works well downstairs. He'll sneak by, taking the free ride from Allison. So Earnhardt now dropped back to third spot. Allison, your leader, working well in the low part of the racetrack. Now midway down the back straightaway, Benny Parsons cuts inside a challenge for the lead. And Bobby Parsons has the lead, taking it away from Bobby Allison at Earnshardt, trying to get back in that free ride, but Allison says no. It's door handle to door handle as they turn through turn number three and four. Now it's three abreast as Earnhardt comes up side by side, coming down the front straight. They are three abreast as they hit the start finish line. Earnhardt at the bottom of the racetrack, Parsons in the middle, and the Hardy sandwich on the outside of Bobby Allison. They're still that way in turn one. Unbelievable as they go three wide, now down to two with Earnhardt taking the lead, going the low side. Bobby Allison goes a bit higher. He'll try to hang on to second spot. Benny Parsons, though, low on the racetrack. He wants second place. Coming off turn number two, now down the back straightaway. It's behind Earnhardt. The battle for second place. Benny Parsons to the inside, Allison to the outside. And Earnhardt now holds the lead, but Parsons and Allison are battling for second place as the three of them come through. But Earnhardt holds the edge, and now it's Allison and Parsons. Now it's Parsons and Allison. Here they come down to the front straight away. Benny Parsons on the inside of Bobby Allison and Parsons. By half a car length, make that a foot. Has the second spot? Not anymore. Turn one. Bobby goes outside, swings down to 22 degrees of banking, has the second spot away from Benny Parsons. So Benny, he tried to stay low, but Bobby used the banking and the graduating banking from 12 degrees to 22 degrees to make the move. Now off turn number two, down the back straightaway. Earnhardt up by three car lengths over Bobby Allison. He's up by a car length over Benny Parsons in third. Well, as Parsons and Allison continue to battle, Barney, it does not appear that anybody can touch or run with Dale Earnhardt. They were three abreast just two laps ago, and now Earnhardt has opened up a six car length advantage. He is strong. Well, they've got their stuff together here. They've been trying to do that, turn that race team around all year. They haven't won in 1981. Last year he couldn't do anything wrong this year. They've had everything going for them for a while. They've been in every race that they've been in. They've led a couple of laps at it, had a chance to win, and then had little things break on the car. But it's certainly Dale Earnhardt's day, and if he can hang it all together, he's going to be hard to head off at the pass here deep in the heart of Texas this afternoon. Right now, he leads Bobby Allison by almost 10 car lengths. Scoring shows Allison and Benny Parsons to be the second and third place cars. Richard Petty is fourth in the running order. He is posted as being one lap behind. Two laps down, Dave Marcus is the fifth place car. Jody Ridley is sixth. Seventh is Lake Speed, and eighth is Richard Childress. They are all two laps down. In the ninth spot, three laps behind is Tim Richmond. And rounding out the top ten, four laps down to the leaders, though he ran very strong in the early going, is Californian Joe Rutland.
Richard Penny, who's trailing along in fourth spot in the STP Buick. He is a lap off the pace here this afternoon. But despite the fact that he is a lap down, I asked Richard yesterday, are you strong enough to win this weekend? Well, I think we can, Barney. Uh, you know, it's down here, it's uh, been a, a race that it's sort of got to finish the thing, really, I guess. You got to run good all day. And, you know, like the last time we run here, they didn't have any caution flags at all. First race we run here, well, the race before that, they didn't have but one caution flag. So it's a kind of operation that you can't sort of loaf around and say, okay, guys, uh, you know, we'll get a half a lap behind here and we'll catch up when they have a caution. You're going to have to run wide open all day long. And, uh, and when you run wide open all day long, then you take more of a chance of having problems with the car, and everybody else does too. So we feel like our cars are prepared as good or better than anybody else's, so we're ready to run the whole thing wide open. Richard is running wide open. He just got a lap down a little bit earlier this afternoon. He's been right up there within striking distance to get it back. Cherry Labonte got his back a little earlier, but Richard just hasn't had the right brakes come his way yet, but he still has plenty of time. 151 laps are complete, 49 laps to go in the Budweiser 400. If you wanted to give the coolant and antifreeze you use in your car a torture test, you couldn't pick a better place than right here on the NASCAR Grand National Championship Circuit. The engines in these cars have to stay cool through hundreds of blazing hot laps at 10,000 RPM. And almost every car, including those of Richard Petty and Darrell Waltrip, is keeping its cool with peak antifreeze and coolant in the radiator. Nothing tops peak, winter or summer. You don't drive 190 miles an hour, but you can depend on the same proven performance. That's peak performance. Here comes Wrangler, and he's one tough customer. On the track, Dale Earnhardt is one tough customer. But off the track, Dale relaxes in easy-going Wrangler gear. Jeans, shirts, boots, and Western wear for the whole family. Comfortable clothes for tough customers like Dale Earnhardt and you. Here comes Wrangler, and he's one tough customer. And he knows what he likes when he sees it. A postscript on Terry Labonte, who's exited the race after crashing in turn three. He was the pole sitter. This may be the first time since we've had these two awards to give out that one driver wins both the Goody's Headache Award for having the most misfortune in the race. And I think this partisan Texan press that's here today may likely select Labonte as the Goody's winner. And he is right now a strong candidate for MRN's peak coolest driver of the race award. The move he put on to get back on the lead lap just a few laps before ending up out of the race was certainly a brilliant one and might be deserving of that honor too. So we'll have to see as the day goes on and we pull our MRN broadcast crew on the peak award and the press box comes up with your goodies tabulation just see where Labonte and the other drivers of the 34 car field wind up in those tabulations. 154 laps complete as Dale Earnhardt leads Bobby Allison and Benny Parsons by the start finish line. Richard Petty is beginning to sneak ever closer to the lead position in an effort to get his lap back. He's one lap down running in fourth and in the lead draft. From Texas World Speedway this is MRN the Motor Racing Network. Back at Texas World Speedway, it is still Dale Earnhardt. It's been his race here this afternoon. He has found a quick way around this racetrack, making the car stick right at the bottom of the racetrack in one and two and three and four, and nobody else has been able to do that. That's been the difference this afternoon for him. Bobby Allison is there. He's about three or four car lengths back. Benny Parsons rides along in third position, and for the moment, they appear to say, well... The way his car is working, there's no point in wearing herself out. There's no point in trying to get around him and take the lead away. Let's just cool it. We've got one more pit stop to go, and maybe we can get the right set of circumstances to get the lead and hang on to it before it's all over. Barney Hall marked one more car out of the race. It's the Piedmont Airlines special number 18, Randy Odkin. What happened to it, Randy? 
Well, we lost the rear end about halfway through the race. The rear end started losing oil and, and heating up real bad. And we decided we'd just, you know, try to stay out there for the Piedmont Airlines, you know, car. But we finally got where it was could hurt me and hurt nobody else, you know, if we're in locked up, so we brought it in. Here's a fellow we haven't heard a great deal about because he's just uh, in his second year. He ran five races in 1980. Randy from Oklahoma, Woodward, Oklahoma, only 22 years old. And you told me yesterday, Randy, that you got into racing, that your dad owned a race car, that your preacher was driving. And then what happened to the preacher that got you into the car? Well, he decided he didn't want to run anymore, so we was stuck with uh, trying to find a new driver. I guess I was elected. He couldn't run on Sunday, I guess. Huh? He couldn't run on Sunday, I guess. Uh, right, and that's when all the good races were. Okay, well, Randy, we're sorry to see you out of it. Better luck next time around. Thank you. <laughs> That's quite a story. It really is. With 158 laps in the record book here this afternoon at Texas World Speedway, Earnhardt rides in front. Bobby Allison is second. Still hanging on a third is Benny Parsons. Fourth is Richard Petty. And Mike Jordan takes us a little further back. Petty is one lap down in the fourth position, though he's hanging right with the lead draft. In fifth is Dave Marcus. He is two laps down. Sixth is Jody Ridley. Seventh is Lake Speed. All three of those cars are two laps behind the leader. And posted in the eighth spot currently is the Tim Richmond automobile. Richard Childress is ninth, and Joe Rutman is the 10th place car. Benny Parsons is hoping to turn the mailing team around here this afternoon. They won one event up at Nashville Speedway a couple of weeks ago, and it went to Dover. They had high hopes of maybe getting things going their way after a slow start this season in Bud Moore's car. They got involved in a wreck up there about lap number three due to no fault of their own and put the machine out. They've had trouble finishing all year. Well, Benny's flexing the muscles in turn one now. He cuts to the inside of Bobby Allison in a bid for second place. Eight car lanes behind your leader, Earnhardt. Benny is low on the racetrack. Allison to the high side, sweeping off to Turn number two. Now it's going to be Benny Parsons using the low side of the racetrack to take second place away from Bobby Allison, who stays nose to tail as they head to turn three. And there's still Parsons out in front of Allison as the two try to close in on Earnhardt. Earnhardt has the lead but takes that low groove. Parsons and Allison going low with them. Parsons is the first one to come up high. Earnhardt is up there, but Earnhardt hangs on to the lead as Parsons closes. Well, as they come back to the line, if Benny could make that car stick at the bottom of the racetrack, Mike Joy, he'd have a good shot at running as strong as Earnhardt is. Earnhardt's strong suit this afternoon is the line he is able to take through the turns. It's a short way around here, Barney, even more so than at Dover, where we're accustomed to seeing some drivers run the bottom of the track, some the middle, and some the very top. If you're on the top here, it is definitely the slow way around due to the long circumference of these turns. But I have to say that this, I think, is the strongest we have seen Benny Parsons all year in a super speedway race. The car has been right up there, right in the thick of things all day, and he's hanging tight on Dale Earnhardt. Well, the back, you're exactly right. That is the strongest we've seen that car run. I talked with Bud Moore this morning and asked him how he felt his chances was here today, and he says we feel real good about it. He says we have a new concept in an engine here today that's producing more horsepower than we've been producing in the past, and he said we feel good about it. He said... Everything is brand new in the engine. He says we are turning it more RPMs. In other words, they have a little bit lower gear than they normally pull. He said if that thing will hang together, it's going to be tough, and it is tough as Eli Gold sees him come off a number two. As they work off the number two turn and down the back straightaway, Earnhardt not able to shake Benny Parsons at this point. It's about a car length between the two. Then Benny has about five or six car lanes back to third-place runner Bobby Allison in turn three. Earnhardt holds that lead and it's low in that groove, way down. Parsons holds just a little bit up uh, on that side banking. Now Earnhardt comes back up as they head for the start-finish line. 
coming back down to the line. Earnhardt just will not be headed off here this afternoon as the laps wind down in the Budweiser 400 at College Station, Texas. 162 are complete. And talking about Benny Parsons' car, Bud told me yesterday, and so did Benny, we we're talking about the bad luck they've had all season. They haven't really completed enough races to really find out which way they need to go on the Ford chassis. And they said if they could complete a few races and be running at the end, then they'd kind of know how the car would work and what would work best. It's been no one particular thing, has it, Benny? It was one thing. We Bud would fix it, you know, but it's just it's something different every time. Uh, and it's been crashes, you know, been at the wrong place at the right time. So, you know, it's, it's a deal that we've got to go through. And, you know, I've went through it before. Bud's went through it before. Everybody here has been through it. Somehow we have to grin and bad and live through it. But it's not easy to swallow all that bad luck, is it, Minnie? It's hard. You know, I don't smile as much as I used to, Mark. Hi, Richard Petty for STP Oil Treatment. When my friends at STP told me their oil treatment was the number one seller around the world, I had to say I wasn't exactly surprised. It's number one around all the tracks we run on, and it's been number one with the Petty family for over 20 years. Number one around the world? Yeah, I can buy that. So can you. Next time you walk through the pits at a NASCAR race, watch for the drivers drinking Gatorade Thirst Quencher. You'll see them, and it'll tell you two things. It'll tell you just how hot it gets in those cockpits, and it'll tell you how important Gatorade is when it comes time to help replace the fluids and salts you sweat away. You'll also see the pit crew slugging down Gatorade, and that'll tell you something else. You don't have to be an athlete to use Gatorade. Sweat is sweat, whether you're behind the wheel of a NASCAR racer or behind a hot lawnmower in your own backyard. Either way, Gatorade gives your body what it's thirsty for. Caution is back out here at Texas World Speedway. Let's go to Eli Gold at turn one. It involved three cars in turn number one as the cars began to work their way through, and it involved some of the slower cars. The DK Ulrich automobile, that car number 40, driven today by Rick Baldwin out of Corpus Christi, Texas. It began smoking rather severely. He took it down onto the apron, but closing in behind him, the 77 automobile, that of Lowell Cowell, and the Cecil Gordon automobile, and all of a sudden, all three cars began to spin around. They kicked up a good bit of smoke. They've come to stop near where the Kyle Petty car was earlier, where there are still, even at this late juncture, some of the speedy dry on the racetrack. So as a smoke screen came up, the three cars spun around. Baldwin continued away, as did Lowell Cowell, but Cecil Gordon is the car right now still residing in turn number one. Cecil is okay. We saw him poke his head out and look around, but uh, the other two cars have gone on their way. So Caution is out for the fifth time this afternoon here at Texas World Speedway. Caution on lap 162 the spin down in turn number one involving those three automobiles. Everybody's on pit road, Ned. This should be their last stop, Mike. There's uh, only 35 laps to go. They should be able to go the rest of the way. Benny Parsons and Bobby Allison are in for a four-tire change. Bobby Allison, uh, or Benny Parsons is beating Bobby Allison out. As he goes down pit road, he should retain the lead. And here goes Dale Earnhardt after changing four tires. He passes Bobby Allison going down pit road. So your one, two, three cars will remain. Benny Parsons out front, or it will be when the green flag drops again at least. And Dale Earnhardt second and Bobby Allison third. Richard Petty did not make up the one lap that he was down, so he remains a lap behind the three leaders. With the caution out for the fifth time today and 35 laps to go in the Budweiser NASCAR 400. From Texas World Speedway, this is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. 
On pit road, the cars of H.B. Bailey, J.D. McDuffie, the Dick May automobile, Ronnie Thomas, Tommy Gale, Jody Ridley, Joe Rutman, and Buddy Arrington receiving service. With the caution out, 34 laps to go here at College Station, Texas. The Ford, the Buick, and the Pontiac, the three cars at the head of the field. Earnhardt, the Wrangler Jeans Machine Pontiac, Bobby Allison, and the Hardys. Restaurants, Buick, and the Melling Tool Ford, the Budmore car for Benny Parsons. Three different types of machines, and certainly, Barney, three different driving styles up there in the front three spots. Well, Earnhardt has, definitely has the advantage. I think we'll, all of our guys on the crew here will agree this afternoon the way he's been able to run in the corners, and almost all the drivers predicted that that would be the winning key here today. If some team came up on the right combination to make the car work the shortest way around, which was down very close to the apron of the track, and hang it together all day would be hard to beat, and that's been Earnhardt's strong point all afternoon. But this race is far from over with 166 laps remaining. It is also a time of gambling, Ned Jarrett, when you make that final pit stop. If you go the distance under green, you have one final shot on pit road to make sure you have the right adjustment and everything's like you want it to run for the roses. That's exactly right, Barney. They should not have to stop again now. As we mentioned earlier, they should uh, be able to go the rest of the way as far as the gasoline is concerned, unless they should cut down a tire or something like that. Bobby Allison is pitting directly directly in front of us. We watched Waddell Wilson and the crew work on his car. They changed all four tires as they did on uh, Dale Earnhardt's car and Benny Parsons' car. We did not see them make any chassis adjustment on Allison's car nor Benny Parsons' car number 15. Earnhardt is pitting down the way and he was in at the same time so we were not able to observe if they made any kind of an adjustment on it. But the way that car was running, I don't think he needed much of anything. Well, who is it going to be in victory lane here in the Budweiser 400 at College Station, Texas? Dale Earnhardt Benny Parsons, Bobby Allison, or Richard Petty? We'll find out when we... Set to go back under the green with 33 laps remaining here in the Budweiser NASCAR 400 at College Station, Texas. Benny Parsons was the first man out of the pits. He heads the field. Dale Earnhardt is second. Third is the Bobby Allison automobile. Fourth, one lap down, would now be Richard Petty. Three cars in a group at two laps down. Dave Marcus holds the fifth spot. Sixth is Jody Ridley. And then Tim Richmond is posted as being three laps in arrears. Richmond, next man in the running order. As the field has been decimated by attrition, 14 of the original 34 starters are already out of the race. Set for the restart, Barney Hall. Pace car is on pit road. Jimmy Means is bringing his car into the pits just as we go back to green. It's going to be a costly stop for him as they get ready to run down for the checkered flag. Harold Kinder puts him under green. Parsons up through the gearbox in a hurry, trying to pull away from Dale Earnhardt and keep him back there as they hit turn one. And as Bobby Adelson now tries to make it a charge to third spot, it's Dave Marcus cutting in front of Bobby for the moment, so he's caught back in traffic. Bobby Allison is. Meanwhile, back at the point, Benny Parsons, your leader, nose to tail with Dale Earnhardt. Then working his way low on the racetrack is Harry Gantz automobile, then Marcus, then finally Bobby Allison caught back in the traffic midway down the back straightaway. It's Earnhardt with a bid for the lead. Earnhardt moves to the inside of Parsons. Earnhardt is going to go through turn number three on a very low groove. Parsons drops in behind him, holding down second place, and Bobby Allison moves through traffic into third position as they come down through turn number four. Bobby Allison got caught back in traffic a little bit on that restart, but once he found some daylight, he really wound her up, and now he's reeling in the front twosome of Dale Earnhardt and Benny Parsons. And Eli Gold, he is coming in a hurry. Bobby is making tracks right here. He's in a giant rush. And as he closes it down to about six car lanes in arrears, he still continues to work his way, maybe a half groove higher in turns one and two than both Earnhardt and Benny Parsons, who are staying glued low to the racetrack right here. Midway down the back chute, it's about 15 to 18 car lanes behind is Bobby Allison. Your leaders, Earnhardt, Parsons in second. They're in turn three. 
And Earnhardt holds that lead as Parsons tries to drop down underneath, but Earnhardt says, no, you don't. Earnhardt holds the lead. Parsons still looking for a way around as they turn through turn number four. Charging up on the high side of the racetrack, Dave Marcus is locked in a battle with Jody Ridley and took you know, quite a bit of time getting around Harry Gant. That held up Bobby Allison and Allison. Has some ground to make up down at turn one. He does. Bobby Allison has lost a good bit of real estate. As now, Benny Parsons goes to the high side in turn one. He does not attempt to pass as Earnhardt stays glued down low. Bobby Allison now leading a charge of Richard Petty and Joe Rutman behind him. Those other two cars again laps down. Midway down the back straightaway, Earnhardt by a half car length over Parsons and a good distance back to Allison. Parsons now runs close into Earnhardt as they come through three, but Earnhardt starts to pull away again by going low in the groove. Parsons stays with him this time, hoping to make a move down that front straightaway. Parsons still looking for a way around Earnhardt. Earnhardt and Benny Parsons drafting 1-2. They've got about a second and a half lead on third place. Bobby Allison, 29 laps to go. From Texas World Speedway, this is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. Back at Texas World Speedway, a very interesting observation by Ned Jarrett a moment ago on the strategy right now of Dale Earnhardt and Benny Parsons. Ned? Benny is running right on the back bumper. He's not making no attempt to pass, and that's very smart that he's doing that. They're using the draft to good advantage right now, pulling away from Bobby Allison. They don't want that third car in there when it goes down to that last lap, and they start battling for that lead. Now, Earnhardt don't really know what Parsons can do as long as he sits there in that position, but they both know that they are able to pull away with Bobby, from Bobby Allison the way that they're working right now, which is very smart. Take a look at the rundown, all of the 20 cars that are still on the racetrack. Earnhardt is the leader. Parsons is second and Bobby Allison third. They're all in the lead draft. One lap down is Richard Petty. He's on a lap by himself in fourth position. Two laps behind, Dave Marcus is the fifth place car. Strong run today for Marcus. In sixth is Jody Ridley. In seventh is posted the Lake Speed automobile. They are all two laps down as of the 150 lap mark at this complete rundown. In eighth, three laps down is Tim Richmond. In ninth, five laps behind is Joe Rutman. Harry Gant lost seven laps in the pits. He's the 10th place car. Also seven down is the Tommy Gale machine. Eight laps behind, J.D. McDuffie is 12th. Buddy Arrington is 13th. H.B. Bailey is the 14th place machine. And 15th is the 77 of Lowell Cowell. In the 16th position, Richard Childress is eight laps down. 17th is Dick May, 18th is Cecil Gordon, and 19th is Ronnie Thomas, 20th is Jimmy Means. Strategy really paying off right now for Dale Earnhardt and Benny Parsons as they continue to stretch that lead over Bobby Allison. They have a little better than a second and a half, almost two seconds as a matter of fact. As they come back to the line, there will be 50 miles to go in the Budweiser 400 here at College Station, Texas. This has been a good racetrack for Dale Earnhardt, although he's never won here. He always runs well. I talked with him about that yesterday. We've led the races here every time we've been here. Last year we had a real good shot at winning it, and I think the year before too, and we've had trouble at the end of the race. and. Uh, so maybe, maybe this year we can turn things around with the new cars and everything and win one here. He's very much in command right now, but as Ned Jarrett pointed out, he's not really sure what Benny Parsons can do. Benny's been unable to get under him going into three and four all afternoon, but coming out of the corners, he's been able to pull up alongside and has taken the lead away from him on numerous occasions. But just where he'll decide to make that move, the final lap, or with two or three laps to go, we'll have to wait and see. Here they are, back to the line. Earnhardt in front. He now pulls Benny by about three car lengths as they move to the south end of the track in turn one. 
These two cars, Dale Earnhardt and Benny Parsons, they are piloted by gentlemen who have never won a race here at the Texas World Speedway. Only Richard Petty, Darrell Waltrip, Cale Yarbrough, and Buddy Baker, and of course the late Bobby Isaac have victories here. So these two cars, Earnhardt, who now leads Benny Parsons by about three and a half car lengths down the back straightaway, sit and hold on. Someone might be tasting victory for the first time here in Texas. Here in turn number three and four, Dale Earnhardt has just pulled an unusual move. He was running extremely low. He came up high just as he came out of turn number four, then dove back to the inside down the front straightaway. Let's see if he does it again. It's hard to say there's slow cars in front. Earnhardt right now is testing a lot of grooves here as he comes out of the corner and back to the start finish line. This time he takes the car almost down to the grass coming across the start finish line. A few laps ago he was running out against the wall and a lap or so before that he was right in the middle of the racetrack apparently finding out where the car feels the best. Barney he's trying everything that he knows to try to lose Benny Parsons now. I think that he feels that he's pulled far enough away from Bobby Allison that uh, that might not be a factor now. They have about 22 laps to go when they return and he'd take his chances on that now. Now he'd like to lose Benny Parsons, and I'll tell you, the advantage that he has through turns three and four could work to his advantage because that's where you need it when you come around on that last lap. And, and every time, Aaron uh, uh, Hart is able to come out of there in front. And as we watch them coming towards us in turn number one, it kind of reminds somebody of the moves that Neil Bonnet worked with in Pocono last year. It was an unorthodox move, but a highly successful move. Just take a different line than everybody else, try and shuffle it up a little bit, break the draft, and go on to victory. And it worked perfectly for Neil at Pocono last year. And Dale Earnhardt evidently trying to shake Benny Parsons. But right now, midway down the backstretch as they exit at turn number two, it's Benny right there, down by just a car length to Earnhardt. Earnhardt that time tried the same moves, but Benny Parsons' second guess got back in the draft. The two of them are in the draft down low this time as they come through turn number three and four. Earnhardt holds the lead. Parsons not trying to get around, but trying to stay right there with him. Well, as they come back to the line, 179 laps will be flashed on the board, and the Budweiser 400, 200 make up the distance here this afternoon. Parsons has closed it down again, just about a car length back, and apparently he's going to wait and make his move with just a couple of laps to go on Dale Earnhardt. Those three cars, along with Bobby Allison, are on the lead lap. Richard Petty, fourth a lap down. Fifth, two cars have broken off on a lap by themselves. They are Dave Marcus in fifth and Jody Ridley in sixth. They're two laps down. Three laps down, Lake Speed, and Tim Richmond in seventh and eighth spot. And four laps behind... Joe Rutman along with Tommy Gale, and Gale is in the top ten. He's having a strong day here at Texas this afternoon. From the Texas World Speedway, this is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. At Texas World Speedway, it continues to be Dale Earnhardt as the laps run down to the Budweiser 400. Benny Parsons drafts along just about a car length back, and for the moment, they have made it a two-way confrontation to who gets the checkered flag here this afternoon. Bobby Allison has been drafting along all by himself about four and a half seconds behind. Now Richard Petty moves in behind Allison and will help him a little bit to make up some ground as it will, the draft will pick him up a little bit. As they come out of turn number four and down to the line, Earnhardt and Parsons trying to pull away from Bobby Allison, as Ned Jarrett pointed out, to just make it a two-way shootout. Let's go to the pits and Ned Jarrett. Barney, one very interesting spectator here this afternoon is a driver from the past that many of the fans will remember, Troy Rutman, who won the 1952 Indianapolis 500. He also ran some NASCAR stock cars back in the factory days. He drove for Bill Strop in the Mercury's uh, in the 19 round 63 and 64. Troy, I know that you got your eyes on your brother Joe out there in number six. Yeah, it's sure a tremendous race. Uh, I think this is the best show I've seen in a long time. It's just a seesaw battle all day, Ned. Do you get a little bit itchy when you come here and watch these things run? 
Yeah, Ned, especially when I'm around fellows like you that I used to race with, and gosh darn, I wish we were back in it ourselves. Well, it'd be nice to be running for the money they run for today. Sure would, Ned. Troy, what is your business now? I'm in the motorcycle business up in Plymouth, Michigan, a suburb of Detroit. I really love it. Well, you're looking great. It's good to see you here. I hope to see more of you around. Thank you, Ned, and have a super day, a heck of a race. And that brother of yours is doing okay out there. Not bad. Thank you, Ned. Okay, Barney, that's uh, Troy Rutman. But Joe has had quite a run here this afternoon, and he's developing after he's got a few races under his belt with the NASCAR Winston Cup drivers. He can hold his own with about anybody if he gets in some good equipment, and that five racers car is a good piece of equipment, but they have a young team that's trying to piece it together. But as soon as they get their act kind of dialed in, so to speak, I think he's going to be a contender to win a race. This is the situation with 183 laps complete here at Texas World Speedway. 17 laps to go. Dale Earnhardt and Benny Parsons riding along just about a car length apart, almost five seconds ahead of Bobby Allison and Richard Petty, who ride third and fourth. Now, Petty is a lap down. Bobby is in the lead lap. Here's a very tough break for the 10th place car. Tommy Gale was intending to bring Elmo Langley's Sunny King Ford Honda machine home in the top 10, and they've just had the pit for right side tires. It looks like it's going to be somewhat of a lengthy stop in excess of 20 seconds, but Tommy now puts the Thunderbird back on the racetrack. That will, however, drop him out of the top 10. Tough break. Tommy is a very likable race driver. He has a lot of fun doing this. He's very serious about it on the racetrack, but in the garage area, he goes around. He's always pulling practical jokes. He and Jabe Thomas and some of the other guys, he and Frank Warren used to have quite a few things going between themselves about who would finish, and they had a what a sweepstakes at one time between the two of them for the best finishes for the year. So that was three three years ago. We kidded about that, and I walked up to Tommy in the garage here. I said, "Well, what are the stakes for this as far as comparing your best finish at the end of the season?" He said, "Well, he says uh, the loser, the penalty is death." I mean, <laughs> he was pretty serious about it as far Take as no being prisoners, quoted. right? Yeah, exactly. Tommy Gale also he and Dick May hold the line of the year as far as I'm concerned in racing. A few well, it was here last year. They were sitting up at the Holiday Inn having breakfast, and David Pearson was out here. And, Pearson told the waitress to bring him a bowl of Wheaties, the breakfast of champions. And when Dick May and Tommy Gale ordered, they said, bring us a bowl of Fruit Loops. That's the breakfast of strokers. I never will forget that. 185 laps complete in the Budweiser 400. 15 laps to go. And who is it going to be in victory lane here this afternoon? Earnhardt trying to turn the Wrangler team around, looking for his first win. In 1981, Benny Parsons has one victory up at Nashville, Tennessee a few weeks ago. A win would mean an awful lot to the Melling team of Bud Moore. They're back in turn one. At this point, of course, Dale Earnhardt showing the way, and Benny Parsons now as they go by some slower traffic in this instance. There's not a whole ton of traffic to contend with as the attrition rate has been high, so unless the circumstances fall just right, it will not be a traffic situation to kill at all. But the way Dale Earnhardt's been running, it's going to be awfully tough. But maybe Benny's holding something. Earnhardt has the lead. But Parsons seems to be testing him. As he comes into turn number three, Parsons moves in close as they come out of four. Parsons looks from time to time like he may want to get around there. Benny Parsons, who's had a chance to watch Dale Earnhardt all afternoon here at Texas World Speedway, takes a look on the inside in turn number one. He may grab the lead. A drag race to the banking. Up they go, 22 degrees. Benny is glued down low. He has the lead. Benny Parsons made the move quickly. Used the low side of the racetrack as Earnhardt slipped up one groove. Now coming off turn number two, nose to tail. Benny Parsons showing the way. Earnhardt down by a car length as they work that position down the back straightaway. Parsons, your leader, to turn three. And Parsons holds that lead as they head into turn number three. But Earnhardt is trying to get low. There's a slow car in front of him. He's cleared out on the apron. Side by side. Earnhardt way on the low side. Way underneath. Earnhardt is coming out. Earnhardt is going to take the lead back for Parsons. Well, they made a sandwich out of Tommy Gale. Gale was the beat of the sandwich, and Earnhardt and Parsons were the bread on either side. 
Now there's a true test from both of them, fellas, to see what they can do where on the racetrack. That might be the last lap that we just saw. Back in turn one, this time Benny Parsons goes the lane higher than Dale Earnhardt. Dale stays down low, and he's glued low on the racetrack, side by side. Earnhardt to the inside, Benny to the outside. They step on the button off the turn, and it's Parsons showing the way. Benny pulling now by a half car length over Earnhardt to turn three. Well, who knows what Benny Parsons has up his sleeve as he has whisked the way, lead away from Dale Earnhardt on two successive occasions. We're coming down to 11 laps to go in the Bud 400 from Texas World Speedway. This is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. Ten laps to go, the sign being given to Benny Parsons and Dale Earnhardt, and I think as of about 20 laps ago, if you check the press box or the grandstand, you would have had a hard time uh, taking bets on Benny Parsons to win this race, but the complexion of this race has certainly changed, and it's about to again in turn three. And turn three, it is Earnhardt just going by Parsons. Parsons held him off for a couple of laps, but now Earnhardt coming down on the low side has the lead. Earnhardt, who's strong suit all day here at Texas World Speedway, has been in three and four. He's been able to pin it to the bottom of the racetrack, and when they came out of that corner, he's been ahead of Benny Parsons and Bobby Allison every time it came down to a shootout. Parsons tries him again in turn one. He's there. Inside of Earnhardt, it's Benny Parsons. Looking straight ahead, it's Buddy Arrington in the line of Dale Earnhardt. Buddy goes high. They make it three wide momentarily, but Benny Parsons low on the racetrack, stepped on the button. He has the edge. Scoreboard says lap 191 of 200. Benny Parsons up by a car length over Earnhardt, turn three. Parsons holds that turn that late over Earnhardt. Now Parsons is the first to drive low, but Earnhardt is trying to drive lower in that turn. They may be on the grass before it's all over with, but it's Parsons holding the edge on Earnhardt. Benny Parsons for the moment has the lead in the Budweiser 400, and Ned Jarrett, it looks like, as they've went off a couple of these corners, that Parsons has a little edge in horsepower. He just might have, with that new engine concept that Bud Moore is using here today, that just might be the trick that he... Uh, has been needing all year long. As we said earlier, he's showing more strength today on a super speedway than we have seen all year, and it has to make them feel awfully good. As the leaders run single file, another strong battle shaping up on the racetrack is that for fifth spot, Jody Ridley is reeling in Dave Marcus. Those two drivers on a lap by themselves, two laps in arrears to the leaders, are contesting the fifth position. Petty in fourth is on a lap by himself. Bobby Allison runs in the third position, about 10 seconds behind the lead battle. Coming out of turn number four to take the sign, seven laps to go. Parsons cuts down to the inside, trying to break the draft from Earnhardt. Earnhardt hangs right with him, and a car link separate them as they go to turn one. Earnhardt goes to the high side of Benny now, up the banking in turn number one. Benny stays down low, and Earnhardt has to tuck his way in. So Benny Parsons using a Dale Earnhardt maneuver of a few laps earlier, trying to break the draft, go low, and force Earnhardt to the high side if he wants to make a pass. Off turn number two, midway, down the back chute now, a car lane separates. Benny Parsons, your leader, Earnhardt second. And it's Parsons holding on to the lead as Earnhardt trying to get down low in turn number three, but Parsons is there first. Parsons going way down near the apron. Earnhardt tries to get inside of him. They're coming up on a slow car. Earnhardt may be at the advantage, though Parsons slips through, and Parsons holds the lead. Benny Parsons putting on a good move. He blocked a couple of lanes, made Earnhardt come out of the throttle, and he keeps him back there by just a half a car length as the laps wind down. There are six to go. In turn number one, Parsons in front. Earnhardt rides second, still about a car length back. Exactly, as Benny Parsons and Earnhardt went past the Huntsville, Alabama driver, Jimmy Means. Benny pointed the nose of his car a bit lower on the racetrack, again forcing Earnhardt to go high if he so desired. And now it seems to stabilize as the laps keep counting. Earnhardt down by a car length to Parsons. 
Eight-timer, Hart makes a bid. Parsons is seeming to outguess him by going into that same position. He does it as Earnhardt tries to go low. Parsons goes low enough to hold Earnhardt off. Parsons holds the lead. He comes high out of four. Let's pause 10 seconds for station identification. At Texas World Speedway, five laps to go in the Budweiser 400. It is Benny Parsons with the Ford. The Melling tool machine that leads the Wrangler Jeans Pontiac of Dale Earnhardt by but three car lengths in the backstretch. However, for the last lap, Parsons has been able to maintain that three car length advantage, except at turn three. Right now, a break, a slow car, and Earnhardt is on the inside. Earnhardt may have the lead. Parsons went to the high side. Earnhardt has the lead coming out of four. That's the one thing Benny didn't want to do was get up in that high lane because with Earnhardt, as strong as he is in that end of the racetrack, he could certainly come out of the corner ahead of him. He's proven it all day. Parsons doesn't give up. He's back door to door in turn one. And he'll take the low side nearly bumping as they go around the slower car of Lowell Cowell. Benny Parsons has the lead as he worked to the inside. Earnhardt right there. Now nil is the advantage for Benny. It's nose to tail. Parsons, your leader. Earnhardt running second they're hugging the outside retaining wall in the back stretch nose to tail as they head down turn number three nose to tail but as Parsons diving low once again cutting Earnhardt off as they come through turn number three heading in for turn number four Earnhardt still looking for a way around but he cannot find one with Parsons leading well, these two drivers have swapped the lead back and forth Mike Joy almost among themselves the last what 10 laps almost every time around Parsons has been leading one lap Earnhardt next time by who's it going to be on the final lap we'll find out in a minute they're back in turn one and they are door to door again again Dale deploys to the high side but could not make the move so this time he settles in for a nose to tail situation it seems to be who makes the move first Benny goes down low forcing Earnhardt upstairs or vice versa as the situation has been now it's back up to about three car lanes to Benny Parsons he leads Earnhardt to turn three. Parsons trying to get Earnhardt's uh, separation of lead now. Parsons cutting low, letting Earnhardt come down low to hold that three-car edge. Parsons, if he will be able to do it, so far he does, but there's slow traffic up ahead. As they battle for the lead, coming up on a group of three lapped cars, Tommy Gale, Dick Bay, and Richard Childress. Tremendous battle for the fifth spot. Dave Marcus and Jody Ridley are going at it on the backstretch. That's for fifth position. Lead battle to turn one, two laps to go. Benny Parsons, the leader, up by two and a half car lanes over Earnhardt. They get by Dick Bay. Now, as Benny goes to the high side, of Tommy Gale, so too does Earnhardt. It's now up to four car lanes for Benny Parsons. Make it five now as Benny pulls Earnhardt off the back straight away towards turn three. And Benny Parsons hits by H.B. Bailey as he turns into three. He has it five, six, seven car lanes, but Dale Earnhardt is making a move, trying to come low, trying to close that gap. Penny Parsons has Earnhardt where he wants him at this moment. Well, Benny Parsons has pulled the stopper out, Mike Joy. He has, and he is running away from Earnhardt as he takes the white flag. In turn two, tremendous battle for fifth spot. Ridley and Marcus have run an entire lap side by side as they run for fifth. The leaders in turn one for the last time. Midway between the turn, Benny Parsons stays low. Earnhardt stays low. It's the edge of seven, maybe eight. Now make it nine car lanes for Benny Parsons. He turns up the wick on the Melling tool entry. But more in the crew watching as Benny Parsons has ten car lanes of an edge to turn three over Earnhardt. But Earnhardt tries to make a move. Earnhardt has been leading much of this afternoon, has been going that low gale. Now Benny Parsons is beating him to it, but Earnhardt is coming back. Earnhardt is beginning to close on Benny Parsons. 
as they come out of turn number four. Parsons by four car lengths. Earnhardt will take a run at him, but he will not make it, and Benny Parsons will win the Budweiser 400 here at College Station, Texas, by some three car lengths over the Wrangler machine of Dale Earnhardt. And that battle for the other spot, fourth a good one, Mike Joy. It's for fifth spot, and it's in the backstretch. Ridley had the position until they come out of turn number two. Dave Marcus has gone by Ridley. He knows it's for position. Now, Ridley puts the Ford on the bottom of the racetrack as they run for fifth position. Marcus up on the high side. Ridley on the bottom. They come to the line for fifth spot. Coming down to the line, a door-to-door -door battle between Jody Ridley and Dave Marcus. It's going to be a photo finish between these two. As they cross the line, it will be Marcus by just about a couple of feet. Dave Marcus will finish fifth. Again, winning the race, Benny Parsons, Earnhardt finishing second, Bobby Allison runs third, Richard Petty is fourth, and finishing in fifth spot is Dave Marcus, and sixth is Jody Ridley. Benny Parsons has won the Budweiser NASCAR 400 for Bud Moore and the Melling Tool crew. Let's go to Ned Jarrett in Victory Lane. He has just pulled the Melling Tool forward into Victory Lane here. The crew in there unbuckling his safety paraphernalia. He is absolutely wringing wet. We've mentioned several times that it's been awfully hot, very humid here today at the Texas World Speedway, and certainly he had his work cut out for him to get in victory lane for the second time during the 1981 season. But he's a happy fellow now as he got a smile on his face as he gets his helmet unbuckled, the radio equipment unhooked. Still, there's a lot of equipment we might explain to be unhooked before a driver can even exit one of these NASCAR Winston Cup cars. And most of the time when they're in victory lane, they sort of take that a little bit slow and easy because they want to get their thoughts collected and their face uh, wiped off to greet all of the fans as they pull out because uh, they know that they're going to be the star and the attention getters. And here he is, Benny Parsons, congratulations. Thanks, Ned, I'll tell you. Someone, hey, bud. <laughs> well, congratulations here from Benny Parsons to Bud Moore. Benny, you look exhausted. Feel great. Yeah. Whatever gave you that idea, Ned? Well, you're ringing wet. It had to be awfully hot out there, and especially the way that competition was. Pretty keen, wasn't it? Yes, it was. I'll tell you what. That Earnhardt gave me more than I wanted. Believe me. Benny, you, you very alertly and very smartly stayed behind Dale Earnhardt there after that last pit stop for about 20 laps so that you could pull away from Bobby Allison. I assumed that that was the plan. Is that right? Yeah, Bud said told me to draft on Dale, and let's see if we couldn't get away from Bobby. I just have two of us to run for the lead, and uh, it sounded like a good idea to me. So I guess I fallen for 20 laps, and we were able to get away from Bobby because Earnhardt was tough. He was awfully strong all day. You went high Although, in that turn one time, and he managed to get around you up there, but you quickly went right back around him. So you had a lot of confidence staying out in front there near the end, thinking that he would not be able to draft past you. Yeah, I could get, the car could get off the corner just absolutely fantastic. You know, just got off the corner like Jack the Bear. And that's why I wanted to be in front, because I could get off the corner so well. Earnhardt would catch me at the end, but start finish lines in the middle. Strongest we've seen this forward run on the super speedways all year. Maybe we got something going now, Bud, you reckon? Bud, what about it? Well, Ned, I think the car run beautiful all day, and you have to give them guys in uh, Spartanburg and in the engine shop a lot of credit because this is a new whole new concept uh, engine and uh, it just run beautiful all day and uh, we're looking forward to win some more races with this deal. So you're going to stick with that concept? Well I'd say right now we'll be with, in Michigan with this same setup and uh, the car just run good all day and Benny drove a real good race and uh, you have to hand it to my crew, all the crew, the, we beat them every time in the pits, it didn't make any difference, we beat them so bad it was unbelievable. Okay, there's a man with a lot of confidence and he should have, should have that confidence because they're in victory lane. 
Well, Benny has long been noted on this circuit for his quick wit and his quick response, and he's at the top of his form right now, Barney, even after running 400 miles in this heat. I'll tell you, they need a win badly because they they had hoped to set the woods on fire, so to speak, when Benny started this year with Bud Moore. Bud builds one of the best cars on the circuit. The success he and Bobby Allison had, had is known by all race fans and the competitors over the last three years. And then when things didn't gel for them, they kind of got a little bit down. It was just dingbat things happening. And they felt like if they could ever get it turned around and go in the right direction, they will be tough to beat the rest of the year. Wind does wonders for anything, whether it's football, baseball, or a race team, and it's done it for Parsons here this afternoon. Benny Parsons sitting in victory lane in a well-deserved one, and Earnhardt gets a lot of credit. His Wrangler team this afternoon, after running his heart out, I didn't know who was going to win this one. Well, they're right back in the hunt, and 20 laps from the end before Benny hooked up with Dale in the draft, I would have bet the farm on Earnhardt. He was so strong all afternoon, and Parsons just came on, knew he had it all along, and drove the car to a convincing victory over Dale Earnhardt, Bobby Allison, Richard Petty, and that tremendous finish between Dave Marcus and Jody Ridley ended up being for the fifth position. Let's take a poll around the speedway of our MRN broadcast crew. Choice for the coolest move of the entire race. Not too cool out there today where you're standing, Eli Gold. Not at all, Mike. At this point, it's a chance to sit back and try and catch one's breath on this hot day. You know, Benny ran a cool race as far as the overall race was concerned. But as you had alluded to earlier, if you want to pick out one particular incident, especially in the area of the track that I was watching and cheating up a bit towards the start-finish line, that move that Terry Levante pulled back near the third caution flag to get himself back on the lead lap, that's a move that I don't think can go without any consideration and some merit as the peak coolest move, at least from this man's observ observations. Ned Jarrett, how about in victory lane? Your thoughts on the peak coolest move of the race? I'll have to agree, agree completely, Mike, because that was a super move by Terry. Unfortunately, he went on to have the, uh, the bad luck there in getting involved in that accident, but he certainly put himself back in position to win this race before his home state folks. So my vote would have to go with Terry Labonte also. Woody Carson? Well, I'm from Texas. I may be a little prejudiced, <laughs> but I believe that the Terry Labonte's move, I watched it from here in turn four, watched it progress when it seemed that he would have no hope of making it. He stayed right there, waited for the break, anticipation, then made the move in front of you. Super. He should have the award. Barney? Well, I'll have to go along with that, but I'll also have to give an honorable mention to Benny Parsons, who didn't show all of his hand until it came time to do so. He never let Earnhardt know just how strong he was in those corners until it came down to the end. He'd be a contender for it, but I think it well deserves to go to Terry Labonte. I'd agree, but I'd have to cast a dissenting vote for Dave Marcus. He was in much the same kind of situation as was... Benny Parsons against Dale Earnhardt. He was racing against Ridley, and it looked like uh, he might have let Ridley by, but he planned his move sharply enough that he knew when he could pass Jody and stay in front of him to the start-finish line. But Terry Labonte will be the recipient of $250 from Peak Antifreeze and Coolant as the Peak Coolest Move of the Race Award. And I think I'm sure that marks the first time that anyone has gotten not only the Peak Award, but also as Terry Labonte has won the Goodies Headache Award for having the most misfortune after starting on the pole uh, having spun out, spun out of the race up in the third turn. We were slowed by only five cautions this afternoon. However, that's more than we've had here in the last two years combined. We'll bring you the complete order of finish of the Budweiser NASCAR 400 and racing news from around the world when we come back. From Texas World Speedway, this is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. Coming up on the NASCAR Winston Cup Tour next week, it's off to Riverside, California, the nine-turn road race course for the running of the Warner Hodgson 400. Two weeks from today, we'll be at Brooklyn, Michigan to bring you all the action June 21st to the Gabriel 400 NASCAR Winston Cup race. And 4th of July, Saturday morning, back to the birthplace of speed, Daytona International Speedway for the running of the Firecracker 400. Why not plan now to attend your next Winston Cup race? 
All those ticket offices will be open tomorrow, and you can reserve your seat for the best show in racing. The STP World Racing Scoreboard has been brought to you by STP Gas Treatment. STP does it all. That's why STP outsells them all. Well, they have worn out 34 race cars and drivers, just as many race teams, and at least one crew of announcers. The heat was in the high 90s today, and the humidity was hovering at or near 100%. But Texas World Speedway race fans, probably the largest crowd in history, have been treated to one of the most competitive battles they have ever seen. As Benny Parsons hung on to Dale Earnhardt through the last 20 laps, traded the lead back and forth 10 times in the last 10 laps, and Parsons drove to victory in today's running of the Budweiser NASCAR 400 here at Texas World Speedway. Just again, a quick recap of the top 10. Parsons the winner, Earnhardt right behind him for second, Bobby Allison about eight seconds back for third, Richard Petty was a lap down to finish in fourth. In a near photo finish, and we stress this is all unofficial, Dave Marcus got by Jody Ridley with a lap to go, and Marcus held on for fifth, Ridley sixth, Lake Speed was seventh with rookie Tim Richmond ninth. Richmond will pick up the 500 from champion spark plugs as the rookie of the race. Harry Gant, Joe Rutman rounding out the top ten here at Texas World Speedway this afternoon. We'll speak to you next on most of these motor racing network stations next Sunday from Riverside, California. Bring you all the action of the Warner Hodgson 400 next Sunday. In two weeks, the Gabriel 400. And on 4th of July, Saturday morning, the Firecracker 400 from Daytona International Speedway. Our thanks today to Eli Gold, who covered the action at turn number one. Up in turn number four, Woody Carson. Ned Jarrett, who covered pit road, garage area, and victory lane. And Ozzie Robinson of the press staff here at TWS for all of his assistance this afternoon and through the week of the running of the Budweiser NASCAR 400. For Barney Hall, this is Mike Joy. We'll speak to you one week from today from Riverside, California, and the Warner Hodgson 400. This has been MRN, the Motor Racing Network, broadcasting live from Texas World Speedway in College Station, Texas. The Budweiser NASCAR 400 has been brought to you by STP Gas Treatment. STP does it all. That's why STP outsells them all. By Bush Beer. Remember, don't just reach for a beer. Head for the mountains. By Wrangler, maker of jeans, boots, and sportswear. For tough customers like Dale Earnhardt and you. By Stokely Van Camp, makers of Gatorade Thirst Quencher. Gatorade gives your body what it's thirsty for. By Peak Antifreeze and Coolant, the NASCAR Grand National Coolant. By Goody's Headache Powders and new Goody's Extra Strength Tablets. More people are switching to Goody's. And by the Kings in Daytona, with pool, disco, and great entertainment, on the ocean in beautiful Daytona Beach, Florida, the Kings Inn, racing's Daytona Beach headquarters. The executive producer of Motor Racing Network is Mike Joy, Chief Engineer Harry Howard, Director of Affiliates Bob Monroe. Stay tuned to MRN for the Warner Hodgson 400 from Riverside, California on Sunday, June 14th. This broadcast has been a presentation of Motor Racing Network, a division of International Speedway Corporation. This week's MRN Classic Race has been brought to you by Hercules Tires.